1: Oh, boy. It's the illegal State of the Union. Yes, we have an illegal government sitting in Washington occupying the White House with the complicity of the gelding old party, the surrendering uh, Republicans, who are going to sit there and dutifully watch somebody who is not not elected to office sitting there in the, uh, the Congress of the United States and is going to preach a bunch of lies. So we have a lying administration, a lying coup that lied to get to power, that has lied to the American people, that calls anybody who challenges the illegal election a liar, and the lies just compound on top of each other. We've got lies on top of lies on top of lies, and I have to watch this thing tonight. I have to watch this ridiculous spectacle of Brendan, the, the moron, lying to the American people, pretending to be president in front of a Congress that pretends he is the president. Nobody's screaming and yelling. I mean, why are the Republicans even there? So my first question to Brianna, uh, who's here with the government inquiry report, is, is why are they even there? Why, why are we going through this farce? Where, where are the real Republicans instead of the geldings? You know, why don't they do something and just boycott this thing? So, look, this isn't a real administration. So, the thing is, they don't care. They don't care. It's the Uniparty. They don't care. Well, gonna, I think I'm answering my question for me. So, let's get to Brianna, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about this. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, All of her skills and knowledge combine into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. Lies, 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 lies. It's all part of lies on top of other lies. Yesterday's lies have to cover today's lies. Today's lies are going to have to cover tomorrow's lies. And tomorrow's lies are going to be all about the lies told tonight in the State of the Union, which is by the illegal government lying, lying, lying. Are you you getting a theme here, Brianna?
2: (laughs) Yes. What do you think? And it is. Even. It it's absolutely crazy, and, and one of the like reasons that you know people are getting away with it is because of who has the power and how mm-hmm. the power has transferred over the years into the hands of our government completely. Interesting. Um.
1: Well, no, I think I, that's that's a brilliant statement. Let's 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 follow that through a little bit. So, how has the power transferred? to more and more government away from the people.
2: Um, Like, for example, like whenever we're trying to impeach,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, it's for some reason we're not being able to impeach him. But, you know, everybody was all for, you know, impeaching Trump and everybody was getting right on it multiple times.
1: Even the Republicans, that it, it's amazing, the, the gelding them the gelding old party. For those who don't know what a gelding is, look it up. Um, but it's, it's amazing to me that the, the final impeachment of Trump was by voice vote. They didn't even do an investigation. They just took a, a poll. <laughs> that wasn't an impeachment. That was a poll. Who thinks he should be impeached? Oh, we do. Oh, you're all Democrats. Yeah, how about that? And the weird thing, here's the weird thing. The Democrats stole the House in 2018. There never was a Democrat majority. They overturned seven seats in California after the election. They kept trucking in ballots. Saying, oh, we found more ballots. We found more ballots. Three weeks later, these elections were, were uh, quote, you know, resolved. <laughs> the natural fact they, were, they cheated, they, they frauded their way in. So none of those impeachments, in fact, nothing that has happened in the Congress since at least 2018, probably, possibly earlier, uh, was legal. Because they frauded the House. There was no House. There was a no legitimate House. How's that? Let's put that in the mix.
2: Yeah. One mm. of the signs of like a, a dictatorship or a growing dictatorship is um, fraudulent or rigged elections
1: Well, they have to because the people people don't vote for a dictatorship, which raises a bigger question yes. uh, that i think you that I think we're getting to here is you know why would a free people tolerate this? Well, the free, the free people aren't tolerating it, but how, how much of our population do you think, thinks of themselves as free or is actively thinking of themselves as free as compared to, say, the World War II generation? Because this is what I think goes to the heart of what you're talking about, that there's, there's a tolerance now. You know, the, 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 As the government has assumed more power, they had to have either taken it or been given it. And I'm, I'm thinking people over time Freedom is not as big a deal. They they they're, they want stuff. They want free freedom to them is free stuff, as opposed to is to the ability to get your own stuff.
2: Yeah, I think it's a very like um, short-minded problem of you mm-hmm. know people wanting things in the immediate and not the long run. I remember um, the other day I was listening to um, some. I, it was some like religious theologian or, or something of that sort, and he was talking mm-hmm. about like the change in mindset of generations. And he was talking about, like, not only how, like, we've been dumbed down, but also, like, the um, like the narrow-mindedness of, you know, understanding the world around us. How he was talking about the generation today can't even see what's going on or understand. They don't understand that it's wrong or that we don't have our freedoms anymore. They can't see it.
1: That's fascinating. I think that's uh, one I, of the I, things I, that people... Yeah, that, you're right on you said
2: about realizing that we're free because, you know, everybody still thinks, you know, America's a free country, but we're not the same free America that we used to be. We're not so much of a free country any, anymore. And it's it slowly, or now at this point, quickly, you know, becoming less and less free.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. If you take away history and the knowledge of history, uh, I remember, like I say, I've, I've talked about this for a while when, you know, I realized this country had a huge government when I first got here. So I got here when I was 12 years old. And by way of Canada to Australia, and the first thing I noticed was how big the federal government was and how how they were everywhere. And I learned about the Holocaust when I was ten years old. And so it, there's this uh, World War II special out of Britain uh, called The World at War, and they had about 24 different episodes covering the whole war. It's narrated by Lawrence Olivier, and so one of one of England's greatest actors. But they had people because it was made in the 60s. They had people who were still there alive, you know, during World War II. They're only you know 20 years older, 20, 25, 30 years older, maybe depending. Um, but it was it was fascinating to, to watch this. And, I go, you know, I'm thinking to myself, and of course, the big thing was the Germans all said, well, we didn't know, you know, it's like, well, how could you not know? Well, it's easy when you see how governments keep things secret. But the other thing is, once you did know, what did you do? Well, we couldn't. The Nazis were in charge. You know, and, and I think, how could this happen? How could Hitler get elected in a, in a prosperous, Western, educated, elite nation like Germany? Why would they elect somebody like Hitler? Well, they did, you know, because the circumstances were there, the economy and everything else. But the problem is that people don't think of that. When they when you hear Hitler, the reference today, people think of Trump. So, well, he's a Nazi. He's a fascist. He, you know, and, and somehow it's been twisted that freedom is like Orwell. Remember when, remember the three things that Orwell said? Freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, war is peace. Do you remember those? Have you heard those quotes you stated Orwell at all?
2: Yeah, I've heard them before, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I think they apply because if freedom is slavery, then slavery is freedom. And so if you indoctrinate, you know, younger folks over time that, you know, that, that, you know to be controlled is good, you know. Um, well, let me, I, have you ever heard the comments that people when they talk about hate speech and, and people go around uh, and do polls, especially on college campuses, and they'll say, well, do you think hate speech is, is, is uh, you know, covering the First Amendment or should we just block hate speech? I'm Like, yes, we should. Well, you ask, you know, folks, uh, different generation, what are you talking about? You know, you ask, you know, me, you know, you know our 60s crowd. I see you crazy. Uh, that's just the government imposed speech. They, they're just blocking things they don't want. Or misinformation is truth. That'd be, uh, so let, let's add to Orwell, misinformation is truth. Um, you know, today's conspiracy theory is tomorrow's truth. And if conspiracy theories weren't true, they wouldn't attract so much attention. I thought of that one a few minutes ago before the show. So there's, uh, people there's a people, are just go ahead.
2: Uh, there was a, a Charlie Kirk little clip that I saw. And it was about that exact same thing. And he was asking hmm. this one girl. It was like a very short one. And he was asking mm-hmm. this one girl, because um, he was talking about California, you know, if she believes that people should go to jail for hate speech or for misgendering people. And the girl was saying, yes, they should. And it was agreeing that people should go to jail for hate speech or misgendering people. I mean, it's – I mean – I don't understand how a person can even get to the point of thinking that, but that's where you know everybody's at for people to think
1: that. Do you, do you sometimes feel like you're in a different world, like like you're in the wrong century? Yes. <laughs> I because I, I have I have for a lot of my life. I'm in the wrong century. I'm thinking like a 1700s, you know, free dude, founding father, you know, sitting in a in a land of of swamp people that want uh, want the government to you know babysit them, you know, change their diapers uh, as adults and uh, take care of them. What's going on around here? Um, that is fascinating. Uh, how do you misgender someone? <laughs> Let's talk about that. Just, I mean, I, I, I know what it is, but I mean, just what, what do you mean misgender? If you call somebody by a different gender, does that change their, their biology? Does it change their chromosomes? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just a fascinating concept to me. You misgendered yeah. me. What? I'm really a man or a woman, depending on my mood. What? Are you insane?
0: <laughs>
1: That's actually a thing, right? Yeah. Misgendering. Do, do you hear do, do friends talk about that kind of stuff?
2: Um, not really.
1: Like I don't have
2: any like weirdo friends. Like,
1: do you have any liberal friends? Oh, you've got to have some. No.
2: Um. Yeah, but um, not really. Politics.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's Now that's interesting in itself. Now, why do you think that is? Um. Oh,
2: first for like. A few, um, like, as soon as they figured out that I was conservative, they didn't want to be. But then for the others, we just kind of, like, um, kind of like other friendships, you know, you just kind of, like, uh, drift, stop talking, like, have different lives in directions, direction. So it wasn't really, like, a, a political thing in some instances.
1: So that's very interesting because I don't remember talking – well, I mean, I talk politics – uh, as a kid. I've, always, I've been interested in politics since probably, like I say I was about 10. Um, but I don't remember ever losing friends over it. I think that's relatively new. I think that the uh, the importance of who you identify with politically, it's not just gender identification. It's, I mean, you know, it's, it's mischaracterized politically. So in other words, if you label somebody a conservative or a liberal, we never thought about it then. We didn't think in terms of that. I mean, there was politics and there was government and there was policy and things like that. But, you know, when I was younger, we were worried about, you know, band and sports and you know, fun stuff, and the people we that I associate with my friends were usually people of common interests. Either we were on the same sports team, because in Australia they made you play sports; it wasn't an option. Um, but uh, but you know, in the United States, it would be like because I did mostly music and art stuff here, uh, theater and that kind of thing. And so, but so my friends, and I'm sure there were, and I know there were extremely liberal people, and I was, I wasn't really conservative yet because I was in New England; it wasn't really allowed. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, but as i got older especially in college you know and i noticed that the change had already split and this is the 80s late 70s early 80s when i went to college and and so i could see the beginnings of what's going on now but now i mean your your political affiliation is really your identity almost as we split the country into our, into the yeah. different groups what do you think
2: well i mean identity politics is like one of the key factors of communism
1: okay Sounds like you've been working everybody's on everybody's put
2: into a category based on their identity.
1: Okay. Did you work on something recently? Because you got elections. Fraud and elections have to be are part of a dictatorship because they can't let the people vote. And oh, so so mm-hmm. so why do you think? Hmm. Let's see. So so why do you think the so in other words the, the Democrat Party today or the unit party, uh, must think of themselves as communists because they refuse to allow a regular election. In fact, they must think that the candidates and their policies are so bad that they can't run them in a regular, fair election. Would that be fair to say? Yes. So, what does that I say about that their, the? Like that. Go ahead.
2: Um, the conversation of like Orwell and like identity politics. It kind mm-hmm. of led, um have you seen those things where they're pushing like in schools and stuff about, and like, there's this one um, thing that really blew up. It was some kind of like um, chat, little bot thing or something. I'm not sure. There's like responding things. And it it was somebody was asking about like um, each different race on it. Like what are five things that this race could do better or something like this, or what's something that this race could do better. And they're doing like Asian, black, white, and um, Hispanics. And, For the black, Hispanics, and Asians and stuff, they were saying, oh, there's nothing, you know, that uh, nobody should ever be judged on their, you know, race or skin color or anything and things like that. And then when they did it for the white person, they just, they put an entire list of things that white people need to work on at the bottom, like somebody (laughs) had captioned it. And they were saying, "Um, all races are equal, but some races are more equal than others.
1: Yeah, you know, you know what that's referring
2: from?
1: To, but... Yeah, Do you know what that's yeah, from? Yeah, Animal Farm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Animal Except Farm. They were talking. Well, Animal Farm is is human society. Uh, another uh, famous uh, book, Lord of the Flies, we studied that in school too, about a British, uh, I think it's a, a ship that gets uh, shipwrecked, and it's from a boys' school. And so all the adults are dead, and it's nothing but uh, young boys when they try to form a society. It's horrible. It's like the most primitive, barbaric, you know, no rules. This is what happens when there's no rules. Uh, but this is interesting. And so now, so now we've got an animal farm mentality. We've got you know politics in Washington where they don't they, they they're so fearful of the American people that they refuse to let an actual election happen. So now, the, so they have taken that away. So so the freedoms have, have kept disappearing. The taxes are higher. The economy sucks. And we're in an interesting place. Um, given that, what can they possibly tell us in the State of the Union that isn't a lie?
2: Yeah. I'm honestly not sure why they do it because um, anybody who, like, is going to be watching it in general is people mm-hmm. who most likely already have seen all the corruption and know it all, you know, because mm-hmm. anybody who still believes everything's on the up and up is probably not going to be watching the State of the Union. Um, so I, I could say it's just for show, but I don't really know who exactly they're going to be showing it to Um I really don't know.
1: Hmm. Well, it's actually in the Constitution uh, where it says that the president, from time to time, has to report on the state of the union, but it doesn't doesn't give a defined time. It's kind of evolved into this you know yearly ritual uh, where you have uh, you know the president, and then you have the Speaker of the House and the the Senate uh, person behind it. It's a joint session of Congress. Let me see if I can find it here. Article two. Uh, here we go conversation before entering uh, section 2 president commander in chief we'll talk about commander in chief at some point too uh, here we go section 3 he shall from time to time give to the congress information on the state of the union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge I guess they assumed all presidents would be men uh, necessary and expedient he may on extraordinary occasions convene both house, houses or either of them in the case of uh, Disagreement between them with respect to the time and adjournment may adjourn them uh, to such time as he shall think proper. Oh, that's interesting. I I didn't I'd forgotten the president can actually uh, convene the Congress. That is interesting. I guess it'd be an emergency uh, times of war or in case that, you know, the Chinese launch a balloon, which apparently takes a week to shoot down. Speaking of which, (laughs) how how safe do you feel with a government that can't shoot down a balloon in one week with nuclear missiles that could be here in 30 minutes or less? Hypersonics, even less.
2: Yeah, they, uh, that whole thing, is just angering and frustrating. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it, it's, like the you know, it's not of the surprising lies. that our
2: government did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's ridiculous that it happened so blatantly, but it's really just, you know, even more frustrating. Because it's, cause it's just another sign of how far down the rabbit hole we've really gone.
1: Yeah, I think it's unfortunate.
2: And then China oh, yes. comes back and says that they are yeah. going to, are up for retaliation for it.
1: <laughs> well, that's actually that makes a lot of sense. If you, you know you're speaking of, di- of dictatorships and communism again, so communism, the Marxist dialectic, the contradiction, saying one thing and having it mean something completely different. The people who are who are accusing us. Of uh, of saying that the government is a fraud are the people who perpetuated the fraud or perpetrated the fraud. <laughs> so the people that stole the government are accusing people who say they stole the government of lying. <laughs> you know, so so why wouldn't the Chinese say that you you shot down our weather balloon? It was an accident. It's you know, and of course, I, if you look at my Facebook pages, you haven't yet, but uh, if you go to a weather chart and, we, and I pulled up the weather charts and I put them, on, I said, look, the, the wind was flowing east to west. If this thing you know, went from Alaska over the continental United States, it had two choices. One, it was going to head back over the Pacific. Or two, there was a huge low pressure over Quebec. It should have ended up there <laughs> because that's the way the wind was going. It should have flowed. The jet stream should have bounced it back to Quebec. There's no way this thing wasn't powered because it was fighting winds all the way across the entire United States and going in different directions. It took a week? And then they shot it down with a missile, blowing it up, so that we couldn't recover any of the good stuff on it. Why didn't they just put like a little laser hole in it and let it deflate and kind of come down naturally? I don't know. There's just so many questions on this. It's just fascinating. But again, uh, you know, Ed, Ed, you've never seen a good, uh, administ- well, except, no, that's not true. You saw the Trump administration. So let's just compare how you felt under Trump in terms of believability, security, uh, and under Brandon, which has only been for a couple of years. So you would remember Trump pretty well. What do you think? Um, for
2: me, I didn't worry, and a lot of that is, like, how much I really looked into it. You know, mm-hmm. during the Trump administration, you know, like, you need some things, you pay a little bit of attention, but I didn't really, like, go into it or a lot of things that happened because, you know, I felt like we were going in in a good direction, you know, we we're, we were building up America and making it good and strong and safe and stuff, and then... I mean, since 2020 and stuff it's when, like, I really started getting more into things. And I think part of that is, you know, that fear, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like, some people, whenever, uh, like, when something like 2020 happens, you want to go and learn more and stuff in order to, you know, prepare and understand what's happening around you. And that's what I did.
1: No, I think you're you're not alone. I think the the, the question is is how to unite everybody. Um, turning Point, do you have any connections with the Turning Point folks? Because I've, I've tried to reach them, and you know, and it's I've sent messages and emails and things like that. But uh, like Patriot Academy, for example, do they have is it like a Turning Point connection? You know, I'd love to get both uh, the organizations involved in some kind of a lobbying and uniting. You know, folks like you who are graduates, you know, all around the country. And we've talked about this before, but there's got to be a way. Um, To take all this, you know, because you you, nobody really acts alone. I don't act alone at action radio I've surrounded myself with people who know other people who know other people and I've been able to get like, you know Christina Bob on the show I've got you know, we've had uh, uh, Peter Navarro on the show I've got senior Trump advisors uh, and a senior Trump attorney, you know, so we're very close to to reaching some goals here but turning point the college when I was in college, I, I was unbelievably active. I was an investigator. I was doing all kinds of just outrageous things. I had an internship in Washington, D.C. in a consumer group back in my liberal days. Uh, Washington changed that. Um, but it's just a great time and a great resource to have all these folks, especially in school, who have time to do stuff like this. Well, I if you have a connection, let me know. <laughs> Patriot Academy. Yeah.
2: I mean, I would think that Patriot Academy has some connections.
1: Okay, let me start there then. We'll see what we can do. So what's on your mind? What's uh, the what, what, uh, issues have you been puzzling over?
2: Um, in the past, like, couple of days,
0: mm-hmm.
2: things have just wreaked havoc, like, everywhere. Okay. Um, <laughs> of course, there was the big Chinese balloon fiasco. And then mm-hmm. supposedly it came out that during the Trump administration, the general said he just failed to recognize that there were balloons there before. <laughs> so yeah,
1: Trump, Trump missed a, <laughs> a uh, three-school bus-size object floating across the entire United States. Yeah. Right. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And everybody's I-
2: like calling and the general was like um, I guess they have footage of him saying you know China's not the enemy and things like that and they're like oh he's just he's just another communist puppet but is um, he the,
1: Is that yes. you're talking about the joint Chiefs of staff guy that called his yeah. counterpart in China saying that uh, you know because he's a traitor I mean, he's just an outright traitor to go against the commander in chief, the president. Well, we should talk about whether the president's actually commander in chief. That'd be an interesting discussion. I'll I'll, I'll tell you about that maybe for next week, uh, especially with somebody who isn't even president. But the idea that a a general, especially the general, you know, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, would call China in defiance of the president of the United States to say we're not going to attack you. And if we do, I'll let you know. That's treason. You talk about aid and comfort to the enemy even if we trump had no intention of attacking china ever he may have wanted to give the impression that he could so that's what diplomacy is and we, i don't think we have ever really talked about uh, diplomacy world strategy things like that geopolitics the one of the things i heard about from the in the vietnam era was that uh one of the strategies kissinger used when he was secretary of state you ever, you ever hear him speak he talks a lot the master of the world, Henry Kissinger. All right, so he's got this really deep voice, right? So he went to Vietnam. He said, look, you know, Nixon's crazy. He might nuke you guys. You know, and of course, this Watergate. <laughs> Everything else was going on. Nixon was, was quite unstable at that time. Um, but he Kissinger used that against North Korea. He said, you better come to the bargaining table. I, I, I can't control this guy. I don't know what's going to happen. So, and that actually worked. You know, North Korea's like, yeah, well, we don't want to get nukes, but we, we certainly don't want to, you know, keep, I mean, Vietnam, excuse me. Um, so, so even if Milley, you know, knew that we weren't going to attack China, he still shouldn't have said anything simply because Trump might have won, you know, more wars are stopped by bluff. What it was? you ever read Sun Tzu, The Art of War? You ever talk about that in your, in your yeah. educational travels? All right. Sun Tzu is one of my heroes and a lot of people. It's actually, in the, so the liberals all know Sun Tzu. Uh, it's in the movie Wall Street where, where Charlie Sheen, you know, recites it to uh, Michael Douglas, you know, trying to get a job. So Sun Tzu's basic principle is all war is deception. You, know, you attack the enemy when you're strong and they're weak. You retreat when they're weak and uh, when you're weak and they're strong. You know, you only fight when you, the battle's already won before you get to the battlefield. All this kind of, new, of of military strategy stuff, but it applies to everyday life. You know, the Japanese business is war There's another thing on that, too. So I think you would find it fascinating. Look up, look up some Sun Tzu. I think I have some quotes and we can go over uh, here in a little bit. But if all war is deception, what is politics?
2: Even more deception?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I was just waiting. I didn't know how to complete the sentence. I'm just thinking, yeah. So if, and now let's follow this through. If all politics is is deception, then what? We're doomed. (laughs) No, we're not. That's why I created Action Radio. I'm going to (laughs) turn, see, you got to understand. I'm going to turn a lot. I I believe we can get out of this, but it's going to take a lot of folks. It's going to take some people, you know, much younger than me, you know, like, I don't know, you, (laughs) to kind of carry on and and build something. So I'll start it. I'll do as much as I can. Um, But uh, then we have to go from there. Oh, here we go. Sun Tzu quotes, right? Appear weak when you're strong and strong when you are weak. Uh, The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. Oh, there's something interesting. So if you were to subdue the American population, thinking as a Chinese warlord from what? Two thousand years ago, how would you do it?
2: How would I do that as a Chinese warlord? Thousand years ago? No, how ago? would you do
1: that? Well, how would you thinking like a Chinese warlord? You know, I mean, I'm trying to. Well, I'm I'm sort of drawing uh, parallels between what Sun Tzu said. You know, two thousand years ago, all war is deception. The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. What would you do to the American people to subdue them to win? what well, i believe that they, i think they think they're at war with us what do you think
2: do you mean like the federal government is at war with us
1: uh huh not in a shooting war yeah but oh. uh, do they think that the i mean yeah, it only is.
2: it is the government versus the people because the government okay. is supposed to be for the people but they're doing everything that's against the people's interest they're trying to arm against the people and you know take more money take away their rights so it is against the government and the people. And they're just trying to make it to where there's no way we can actually fight against them.
1: See, that's what I'm wondering. I, I see you know, so-called gun control, which is not gun control, it's confiscation and banning, uh, whereas the government has 87,000 new, what I call, bureaucrat infantry. I'm actually putting it in war terms. Uh, in fact, I've got a substack. Um, if you're a chance, take, check out my substack articles. Um, feel free to use them for, for class. I think it'd be interesting. But the whole idea of, of the federal government, in fact, I'm going to write an article, I've been meaning to write it for a while, called The Nation of Government. So the, the government in D.C. thinks of themselves as a country, and we're like the colonies. So they draw taxes from their colonies, much like England drew taxes, you know, from the from our original 13 colonies and ruled over us with magistrates, with, uh, with courts, with, with unnamed bureaucrats hidden away in England. And all this stuff was done from some distant place. And we, we couldn't really question it. And that's where taxation without representat- representation came from and everything else. So Washington appears to have replaced England. And I really think they think of themselves as their own country with their own citizens, with their own elitists. You know, you are, if you belong in D.C., you're actually separate from the rest of the country like it's somehow its own nation with its own borders and everything else. Once you cross the border into D.C., there's a different set of laws, different set of rules. You know, If you come from around the country and you, you walk into the capital, even though you're invited, you can end up in the D.C. gulag. It's almost like a separate, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of rambling here, but what do you think? How separate is Washington from the rest
2: yeah, of the Yeah, they country? even have their own walls.
1: Yeah. They did. They surrounded the walls around the Capitol. So we can't have a, well, yeah. uh, okay, so let's, let's, let's talk about illegal aliens. Five million illegals into the country. Uh, have you seen any effect of that either in crime or more crowded roads or, or schools or anything like that? Have you seen the effect of all these people?
2: Um, like, not personally, like, up close, but I've heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, I've never had, like, a personal interaction, but, yeah, I've heard a lot about it. I remember just the other day, I think it was yesterday, I was this notice that came through of um, a bus full of, like, teens that were leaving out of Texas. They were illegal they were aliens, and um, most of them were girls and that um they were part of human trafficking but it was funded by this NGO that was um funded by our government which kind of um is like gets rid of the point of an NGO if it's literally funded but um, that part no, right. confused me but technically <laughs> they were well, no um, we'll talk about that but tell me what you they were using the uh-huh. me, the thing of the story was, like, you know, they're using taxpayer dollars to run this human trafficking across our border. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was one huge thing. But...
1: No, it is a huge thing. In fact, if you ever get a video of this bus, you know, send it to me. I'll post it. And then we have, we have an Action Radio video page which apparently a bunch of people in the Philippines are trying to join. (laughs) They keep sneaking in. I'm not sure how they're sneaking into (laughs) my my video page. But, yeah, it's like, oh, stop that, folks. You know, all my groups are controlled anyway. But the point is that video, if you could show that video and send it to all your friends, look, here are the illegals, you know, and uh, and then we can track it down. Now, I'm trying to get some – one of my many things on my list is to go to our local Catholic charities and say, uh, how many illegals are you sponsoring? What's your budget? You know, Catholic charities, Lutheran charities, these are church groups. Now, so an NGO stands for, for non-governmental organization. But if they're funded by the government doing the government's work, are they not a governmental organization? Seems to me they're misnamed.
2: Yeah. Yeah, There's just, so have,
1: yeah. I
2: guess, words to, I don't even know if, like at the beginning, they may have been like actual. And I think there are some organizations that aren't for the government, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think a lot of them are. And so I don't know uh, if the name was just something that stuck with them, even though they transferred, you know, all the funding from the federal government, or if they're doing it as just a a tactic to make people think that they're not part of the government. Um, I think it it might be just multiple reasons.
1: Yeah, because I remember, I know the Salvation Army, which I used to think was a really good organization. It was. It was started by, you know, uh, Christian folks way back when to help poor people i think that's that's how catholic charities i think the church charities that's how they started you know because in earlier in our history the government uh was not providing welfare to everybody which was a good thing government's not supposed to do that Um, but this is where private charities were doing a great job and a lot of them were church-based i think that made a lot of sense that was that's exactly where charity should come from you know family and church and uh, community and everything else the problem was that somewhere along the line i think as you first mentioned they got political and And just as a as a communist society controls we 're sort of making a list right they control the elections, they dumb down the population and education um, and uh, well, we can get to media at some point too, but one of the other things they do is they control all the all the the charities, the health the medicine, and they have all these minions, all these bureaucrats and it 's like an extension of government that 's unaccountable, so Catholic charities, which might have at one point and I think they did you know serve poor folks and, and help out. Now they're political. Now they're actually bringing illegal aliens to the United States, you know, quote, resettling, in other words, infiltrating them, you know, into our country. So when did that happen?
2: Yeah, that's like a nationwide thing. You know, people are now catering to illegals instead of our own homeless population. I mean, there's like a huge thing in New Mm -hmm. York about all the illegals, you know, complaining about their fancy expensive hotel that they were staying in um, (laughs) illegally but well, you know it—it it gets to be that ridiculous.
1: Well, let me ask you about that. If if you're if you feel entitled enough to walk in the United States and violate our laws, you know, and you're given all this stuff. I mean, this, so their view of the United States is uh, this is the country, uh, you know, where you get anything you want, uh, and the American taxpayers will give it to you. They don't even think of the taxpayers, but you just get you come in here and get what you want. Why wouldn't you complain about your hotel? We created this. Yeah. You know, of course we have homeless people saying, Are you kidding? You know. So American citizens so so now this is a double standard. So now you live in a country where illegal aliens are brought in complaining about their hotel when a lot of Americans can't even afford to go to a hotel and certainly wouldn't get a free ride if they did. Yeah. So here's the so here's the big question. How do we send these illegal aliens home?
2: Well, I mean, the first thing that you'd have to do is you'd have to close the border and you know finish the wall completely in
0: okay. order to
2: not let them back in or more in. So the first thing is to like stop the flow inwards.
1: Okay. And then Good from read.
2: there just um deportations.
1: Got any other ideas? Obviously I'm leading to some of this, this is a rhetorical question where um, you rhetorical question time. <laughs> Do you have any other ideas? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know. That one seems like the most simple one. Um,
1: yeah. But that's expensive. So how do we send the illegals home Yeah. without costing taxpayers money? Because they already spent enough money on them being here in the first place. Let's, let's see if your creative mind can come up with something. I know it's kind of on the spot now, but I, obviously I have an answer that i thought of, and I want to run that by you. There's I want some to see.
2: violent ideas, but I don't think those are very... Plausible.
1: Okay, so let's classify these as we're not going to do this, but what are you thinking?
2: <laughs> Drive them out by citizens'
1: force. Okay, what would that look like? Disclaimer: um... We're not doing this, folks. We're just talking. Okay, so let's put that on the on the recording. Yeah, <laughs> how, how would you do it? No, I'm serious. Because what if it comes to that? You remember the old revolution? You know, torches and pitchforks. You know the, you know, uh, sire, That's sire, the peasants are at the mind. gate. Okay, so so so, yeah. so so the all right, so so let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about a mob. What if a mob does come about? Whose fault is that? And what would that mob do? What would that mob look like? And would it be torches and pitchforks, um, or would it be uh, would it be a a, a higher uh, uh, standard of weaponry? <laughs> I'm just I'm just uh, maybe a here. little
2: bit higher and more, okay. you know, like a.
1: So they what are we talking about? Militia. Okay. What would they do?
2: They would drive them out with force.
1: To where? From where? How big a scale are we talking about here?
2: Um, well, it would be like a widespread idea, of course, like a bunch of them, and mm-hmm. just continually drive them down or um, continually drive them to the border or... Into the ground if not the border.
1: Oh, define into the ground. Now you got me curious. Theoretically. Of course. We're, theoretically. Just, we're just talking theoret- yes. we're just talking theoretically here, but this is this is interesting now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's, so let's, there, let's there's put an action.
2: option though, you know, it's like It is an option. Lead. No,
1: absolutely. So here's the thing, remember yeah, the like, old expression ride out of town run out of town on a rail and and tarring and feathering? I don't recommend tarring. You ever I don't express, know the you know, real
2: one, but I know tarring and feathering.
1: Okay, so this was a torture, basically. In other words, you pour hot tar on people, and then you, then you spray them with, with like chicken feathers. I'm, I'm not sure who oh, thought yeah, of that. I knew that
2: one. I didn't know the real one.
1: Okay, so run out of town on a rail. See, back in the, in the 1800s, uh, the way that transportation was done was water and rail. Those were the biggest forms of transportation. Water was kind of slow, but uh, our rivers were amazing. But it didn't really work out west because most of the west is a desert or mountainous. So, so that, that's the land of rail transit, especially Transcontinental Railroad. So if you were run out of town on a rail, it literally meant you were put on like a sidecar or something like that. You were put on, on some kind of device uh, on the railroad tracks, and you were literally run out of town. <laughs> so the question is, if you run illegals out of one town, that's going to push them into the next town. So now we get a chain reaction here. And it's still going to be expensive which means people have the time, get their guns, find out who the illegal aliens are, put them on a rail or, or, or a bus. What if we run them out of town on a bus? What if we uh, uh, commandeer in the public interest the same buses uh, from the government that brought these people in and, and use those buses to take them back to the border?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So let's, let's try So So we got the option of force because it's our country. Uh, what else can you think of?
2: Um,
1: you can work on this for next week Like too. the
2: force and the deportation. I mean, okay. th- the ideas of having like a, a stronghold and a demand on it seem like the best scenario and mm-hmm. the, the quickest and the easiest
1: one. Hmm. What if all driver's license had citizenship printed on them?
2: Don't you have to be a citizen to get one?
1: <laughs> not <in> California. <laughs> not where I was. You do in Florida. No. Uh, do you Oklahoma? Do you have to be a citizen to get a driver's license?
2: I mean, I, I just figured it was just like that in general. I...
1: Mm, no, it's not. No, that's <laughs> just what the whole motor voter rule was all about. So California um, has as many illegal aliens voting as millions. I mean, what are the millions of illegal aliens driving and voting in California? They don't care, they're a sanctuary. It's, it's an illegal state, <laughs> you know, violating every law you can think of protecting criminals. They're actually harboring fugitives uh, that makes them accessories uh, to the crime. So you could arrest every legislator in California that hasn't worked against illegal aliens. And I think you'd be OK. There's another rule, too, uh, for government. It's uh, Title 18, Section 241 Conspiracy Against Rights. When two people or more people conspire to oppress the rights of Americans, with the exercise or enjoyment of our rights, that's a felony. (laughs) You can go to jail for that. And so there is a punishment for violating constitutional rights. My solution was a little different. Um, I use civil asset forfeiture. Are you familiar with that? No. Okay. So back in the 80s, back when the big drug deals were going on, you ever see the TV show Miami Vice? No. No. Oh, uh, it's, it's kind of cool. It was like, you know, for, for especially for all those, you know, like teenage dudes, it was great. You know, great cars and, and boats and all kinds of technology and everybody looked, you know, wonderful. It was fabulous. I have to get my Miami Vice jacket. Anyway, this is big in the 80s because there was a huge drug problem in Florida. Cocaine was coming in from South, Central, uh, Central and South America, mostly Colombia. And people were making huge fortunes. And so they had these special vice squads that would go after them and try and get rid of the drug. But what they had at that time was something called civil asset forfeiture. So they would confiscate anything involved in a crime. So you could take the boat, the airplane, uh, the house. You could take all the stuff. And unfortunately, it was used badly. It got corrupted when officials, law enforcement, were basically taking things from people and saying you had to prove you didn't commit a crime to get your stuff back. And of course, they were selling it, keeping the guns, keeping everything else. That was illegal. That was unconstitutional. But they did it anyway. Eventually, that was stopped, and you had uh, a situation where, where you have to get a conviction before you can confiscate property, which is the way it should be. I don't have a problem with confiscating you know, the goods of criminals, but you've got to get a conviction because you don't want to confiscate from the, the honest people. That's the whole point of law is to protect the honest people. We're not trying to, Yes, we're trying to prosecute the criminals, but really our rights are set up to protect the honest people. However, no one's thought to apply civil asset forfeiture to illegal aliens. Now, the fact that illegal aliens are in the country illegally is a conviction as far as I'm concerned. So why don't we just take all this stuff and we could use that to fund ICE and fund other things. And just, you know, I think it would cause the, most, the greatest self-deportation in world history. If we started taking everything, houses, bank accounts, cars, you know, everything, investments, businesses, anything that belongs to an illegal alien in this country, you seize it under civil asset forfeiture. Well, how long do you think these folks are going to stick around here? if all this stuff's being forfeited and, and, and given back in rebates to American taxpayers.
2: Yeah. Not very long. long yeah. you think not very long.
1: Yeah. And see, that's the, see, it's the money and it wouldn't cost any money. It'd be self-funding by the, you know, we can take the assets taken, you know, cash those in. Uh, it wouldn't take, you know, manpower. We could do it by computer. IRS has what's called the ITIN number, individual tax identification number. So we could literally go through uh, and do like an illegal alien census, you know, based on the ITIN number, investigate people if they're found to be illegal. Just start confiscating all their stuff, or give them like a thirty-day warning. So you stop, you stop going, everything. Or you could do a nationwide warning of the whole country. Of course, then the left will go apoplectic. They like, say, Hey, we don't care. It's going to happen. You know, millions of people would leave this country. Mm-hmm. So here's the question: Do we have I a right to a something that ahead. Ca- yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you first. No, then I'll ask my big question. No, go ahead last oh, my big question
2: mine's like a li- like. like mine's like kind of like the same idea but a different topic so I oh, yeah question. go out. for
1: it no go ahead tell me
2: uh, okay so um, there's this one thing about like California was doing that's like an impact like all the other states and it was by mm-hmm. a, a, a campaign manager off to find what his name was but it was talking about like how um, California is going to be like a, a sanctuary state for minors to come, um, for like, um, sex change and, and hormone and all the different things for minors.
0: Mm-hmm. And like,
2: uh, California is going to be like the sanctuary state for them to come from like any state. And they're, and he was saying like, um, basically it's like an attack on all the other 49 states. Huh. Cause it, it said, cause it takes the citizens from all the other states. Um, Going to California to allow this instead of even though all the other states, um, or even though some of the other states might not might not allow it or might not have it in their laws and stuff. You know who else wouldn't allow it? State.
1: What about the parents in these other states? Yeah. Are they bringing in yeah, teenagers was... without parental permission? Are they are yeah, they funding it this? Was, are they opening? Yeah, the How does big that work? Point
2: was like without. Yeah, the big point was, like, you don't need um, parental, parental permission or anything.
1: So what kind of mentality is this? Um, that And where did this come from? Because this is, this is all new, this whole idea of, of uh, first of all, you can't change gender. And we know that. You can't change your chromosomes. All you can do is surgically alter yourself in bad ways, because nothing good comes out of this, or, or chemically drug alter yourself in bad ways. So there's nothing good here. And... It doesn't accomplish what you're trying to do. You cannot change your gender. You cannot change your sex. What you're born with is who you are. You can change your body, but you can't trans. You can't transition to something else. You are who you were born to be.
0: You so, know, where,
1: why is it so important? I'm can you know go ahead.
2: One of like the biggest things that I've heard like within the whole idea of it is it turns into a lifelong medical case where you're basically owned by the um, medical industry, which is owned by the federal government. So basically, you're on a controlled leash for the rest of your life if you go through with hormone changes or surgeries and stuff that have to do with sex change. And then on the other hand, it's also um, like a separating of the parent and the child. And that's like always been kind of like a communist tactic. And we've seen that mm-hmm. for years. Absolutely. You know, yep. um, since they first started separating children from their families um you know it's a way for the government to control the next generations to fit their boot and you know it's kind of what we see now and it goes back to like the same Orwellian idea of you know when the animal like in animal Farm, the animals you know they truly thought everything was great and good and stuff even though life was obviously worse for them they all thought oh yeah it's it's great you know it's better than it was but they don't even remember how it was they don't know how it was because they've been you know so indoctrinated and that's how it is today people are, you no, know, it's gotten so much worse, and people are saying, oh, no, it's better. You know, it's better than it was, but they don't even know what it was because they've been so brainwashed
1: over it. No, it's absolutely true. But this is new. There's a lot of things that have happened fairly recently. This idea of changing genders, and it seems to be, uh, it, it, it seems to be an obsession. It's like abortion is like an obsession of the left. I wonder why are you doing that? I wonder if they would, uh, you know, favor, uh, you know, abortions like where the baby lived, where it was. We actually have a bill on this that requires that if you're going to do this, this is before Roe v. Wade was fortunately corrected. It wasn't overturned. It was corrected. Um, but the whole idea that the left is is obsessed. You know, would they even allow abortions if the babies, you know, if it was mandated that uh, the baby lived? You know, I mean, wh- what is this? this uh, they're destroying the humanity and the process. They're trying to destroy everybody else's humanity. And yet that's important. And, and I don't understand why folks, uh, especially younger folks, don't see, you know, where there's like a humanity loss. You know, if it can be done to them, it can be done to you. Why, why would people think yeah, and that I think, this is somehow okay I think to do me- all that? Go ahead.
2: I think the main thing of, like, a humanity loss uh-huh. is, you know, this is just, these are just, like, a theory, you know, um, of, like, it could be a mix of, you know, the education system of how we're learning and what we're learning and uh-huh. how we're actually culturally living our lives, and technology, right. I think, is one of the biggest factors is how technology kind of rules our lives, because, like, whenever... Because people have, like, asked people, like, who are, who are pro-abortion and stuff, and there's either two sides. Either one, they don't actually believe it's a human being, or two, mm-hmm. they're proud of, and they say proudly that, you know, they're happy to kill babies and that they don't care.
0: And they're a question
2: to be able to kill babies after they're born. Yeah. And so yeah. I think it is a, a lack of humanity and knowledge and a complete change of culture.
1: Yeah, it's one thing for a teenage girl in a, in a horrible home in a horrible situation in a you know a violent family you know who gets pregnant who you know wants help and needs help. I'm not saying abortion is the answer. I don't think it is, but I'm just saying I understand uh, that person. I don't understand you know the mature woman you know with a career and money uh, who gets pregnant um, unmarried and and willfully says or even married. I mean there's, there's married abortions out there too, and willfully says I'm going to kill this baby because that's my right. I can do that. Those are totally different people and a totally different moral position.
2: Yeah, and I like there's a lot of like proof and stuff that has come out and video recordings of like people at like Planned Parenthood communicating with um, you know, the sex trafficking people and stuff. And they would even hmm. say like out loud that they were they were doing it. And they would still go and help. And what they, what Planned Parenthood does is, you know, they um, take in all of these sex workers and stuff and sex traffickers, and they hmm. give them a ton of abortions and stuff so they can keep doing the work. And they and they aid the complete horrific industry through it. You know, and that's, that's one of like, the, the tools they that
1: use. That's a huge point. I, we've never explored that. Is is Planned Parenthood aiding uh, sex trafficking um, so that you know the the people can? keep being forced into sex work. You know, I hate to say that there must be a good slavery. Basically let's call it sex slavery. Uh, simply because Planned Parenthood is facilitating abortions. Uh, so these people don't become parents. That's a scary thought. I mean, I didn't think about that, but that's huge. That deserves a special investigation. But what about the mentality of this? You know, yeah. the, the, the life well, I mean, is so cheap, you know, They it it have just...
2: proof that Planned Parenthood has been aiding the sex traffickers.
1: See, I didn't know I that. Did that's interesting. Crops. Okay, yeah. if you're going to do a special report on that. Feel free. That'd be something that that, uh, that we need to know about.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, or you don't. You know, it's a pretty. Yeah. It's a gruesome topic. You know, you can do it or not. I mean, just it's always an option. But uh, that's. I don't think we think about that as much. So now we have a government with no humanity. We have a population that's losing their humanity. They're losing touch with who they are. And yet, there's a certain population. Um, you know, those is like, like our, us action radio folks, you know, we believe in God, we believe in freedom and the two, I think you cannot separate the two, you can't believe in freedom and not believe in God and you can't believe in God and not believe in freedom. Otherwise you don't know, you know, what exactly is happening. And here we are on this island of, of, of strangeness of people that, uh, you know, that are alive themselves and they think, well, that's okay. But, uh, you know, babies are killed and that's okay too. So, well, what if, you know, what if they switch places with those babies? And there's like a disconnect. You know, they don't understand freedom and they don't know. Well, how would how would you explain freedom to somebody that doesn't know it? And that that, that's a tough problem because they they don't relate to it. Especially if they say hate speech, you you should go to jail for saying something that's not approved. I mean, how do you get past that attitude?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of weird, like, because once you get to a point, like a certain point of your mind, like how far back can you really go? Like, how clear can you really get from there, or how do you understand things? And it's one of, like, the big things that people talk about, you know, um, especially, like, within Christianity. It's like, you know, teach your kids, you know, build a foundation of, you know, morals and and a love for God. You know, that's one of, like, the biggest things with it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. important to have a foundation because everything builds on that foundation, and whenever kids have, you know, this broken foundation or a corrupt foundation, it's hard to really, you know, dismantle something.
1: Yeah, it's the first thing we learned in flight instruction. Uh, you know, there's a, the, the principles of education, you know, Reginald Thorndike, professor. Uh, it's it's hard to unlearn something than it is to learn it. You know, so if you have to unteach something uh, and then build upon a new foundation, this is what the military does. They'll, they'll take people and basically scrap everything they've learned and start over. It's like, okay, now you're going to learn it our way. Uh, it's a it's a process that's been going on for thousands of years, and you know, the military knows how to do it. So how do we, you know, we almost have to do that with our country. We have to take the people that think freedom uh, is getting free stuff, that freedom is not having to work, that freedom is not having responsibility, which is very attractive. That's the problem. Is it's, it's very attractive to give other people's money to people so they don't have to work. Like, this is great. I'm free. I don't have to work today, and yet they don't understand that that money came from somebody who did have to work. There's a disconnect.
2: Yeah.
1: Hmm. We cover a lot of ground. It's interesting talking. And overall, it, uh, go ahead.
2: Um, I was, it was, just, I was saying like, overall, it's really just kind of like a, a sad idea, of mm-hmm. you know that's happening to so many people.
1: Yeah, and I think that the more organizations and groups that can reach out, uh, so we need to get. I don't know how to do it. It'd be interesting to get, you know, more and more folks together, um, you know, from the from the high schools to the colleges, the colleges especially, because that's where a lot of radical stuff is. So as you're looking at college possibly, what, where can you go in, 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 a, in, a, in an atmosphere of freedom? And the obvious one's Hillsdale and some of the other places like that. But what are the hopes for education when colleges have been so co-opted you know, the Chinese have a bunch of stuff. Uh, the federal government requires stuff. They take, they've take they taken over student loans. That's really, I mean, our whole education system is really geared towards uh, a slave mentality.
2: Yeah. And the bigger thing with the um, leftists is, you know, the victim mentality, mentality thinking that everybody mm-hmm. owes them something that they deserve everything.
1: So why race? It's one of those of all, like, things of
2: pity driving yeah. the
1: culture. So it's like, and, or guilt. It's like you owe. Uh, you know, first of all, you have to make people feel bad. Then you have to make them think they owe. Then you have to make them pay. <laughs> it, it seems to be well. Anything else out of communism? You've you know you've discovered here. We've covered. We got elections. We've got race. We've got uh, education. It really is. Yeah, and people, I don't think people want to think of themselves. So, so people actually think of themselves free when they're really in a communist uh, state. And we don't have the gulags yet. We got one in DC. But how far are we from an enforced communist state? So we still have the constitution. It's almost like if we were another country that we'd already be the communist state. If we were Germany or China or, or uh, um, any nation that Venezuela that was free and prosperous that didn't have our constitution, that didn't at least start with the free people to begin with, we could have already been gone.
2: Yeah.
1: Hmm. So.
2: And if, I mean, all ahead. of the communist tactics that have been played out, like in mm-hmm. the game of, you know, becoming communism, have all mm-hmm. happened in America. You know, it's not like a, a, it's not a hypothetical, it's not like a fear or a worry anymore. No, it's actually, you know, here and it's actually happening. And so it's not really a way of like, how do you prevent it? It's how do you, you know, backtrack? How do you stop? How do you get rid of it now?
1: Oh, I agree. I mean, I remember the the worst thing you could be called. Yeah, yeah. I remember the the worst thing you could be called was a communist um, back, especially 60s, 70s. I mean, the Cold War was just that. If you were accused of being a communist, it's like being accused of being a racist today. It had the same impact. You know, this is the last thing you ever wanted to be. And, and then the American Communist Party was hated. You know, we don't want to, you know, I tell you, I mean, we, we fought wars so the countries wouldn't become what we're becoming. I mean, the contradictions are everywhere. So the, yeah. the Marxian dialectic is everywhere. Um, why race? And think?
2: I remember like learning about it. They were thinking of you know, the domino effects and stuff, and, like, if they don't uh-huh. stop communism, communism is going to spread and infiltrate America and stuff.
0: Right.
2: And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. You see, it, it was like the stalemate and stuff. And, see, it was only uh-huh. a couple countries. See, it didn't happen. But then, you know, I, I realized one day, I was like, wait, it did happen. This domino uh-huh. effect, this spread of communism, it did happen. We are living the effects of it right now. It did happen exactly as they said, you know, we we are falling to communism. And I was just like, you know, because a lot of people like criticize the ideas that they weren't going to happen. They didn't happen, but they did.
1: Mm-hmm. And people don't know what they've lost. No, I think that I think we need to almost redefine freedom. You know what freedom really is. Freedom is, you know, elections yeah. that actually count. Freedom is minimal tax burden only for the necessary expenditures of government. Well, let me ask the question I was going to ask earlier. Do we have a right to a nation free of illegal aliens?
2: Yeah. Well, like in a right form, I mean, I would, it's tricky with the word right, but I would mm-hmm. say yes, we do.
1: So in other words, one of the things I've been working on in my, my little brain here is expanding the definition of civil rights. Civil rights generally are based on what they call immutable characteristics. In other words, things you can't change. Race, sex, um, national origin, you know, skin color, well, that's race. Um, but these things that, 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 uh, that you're basically born with. And what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, is that we really need to advance uh, civil rights to, to some other categories. Ideology. Should be a civil right. You should have the right to think you know what you want. you can't be banned critic- well, not criticized, but you can't be blocked from an education. you can't have your company destroyed. In other words, it's a violation of civil rights if somebody you know bombs chick-fil-a because they're they're Christian. That should be a civil rights violation as well as crime of vandalism or destruction of property or criminal whatever. Uh, I think firearms ownership should be a civil right as well as a constitutional right, so that it could be prosecuted by civil rights commissions. Uh, things like red flag laws, things like that. Um, so let's expand this further. Education, you know, is, is do you have uh, you know is education a civil right? Where well, you can't be forced into a government school. If it is, then you couldn't. Then the the tax money that goes to education would have to be shared for everything: private schools, public schools, tutors, independent schools, specialized classes. I don't know, Little League, Boy Scouts, whatever. So, can should and this is a question for next week? Uh, expanding the idea of civil rights to include these different things do Do we have a right to? I think we do have a right to a nation free of illegal aliens. So that we we can, in other words, can we live a completely free life as Americans? Can we maximize our potential as Americans if we have a country full of illegal aliens?
2: No.
1: Okay, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, and yeah. feel free to disagree with me. Yeah, but but that's the best than your thought. So I ask these questions because I pretty much know the answer, but the question is, the reason I ask the questions a lot of times is is to to get the question in your mind. And then, so then, of course, is what do we do about it? I got Justin in line here. I'm going to play her theme. Uh, stick around if you want. We have uh, very soon, uh, hopefully, uh, Cooey Griffin, uh, Cowboys for Trump, is going to join us as well. So if you have some extra time, stick around. If you don't, then I'll talk to you next week. And we have... Uh, um, we got your oh yeah. We'll continue on with our, our, our merry course here. So uh, uh, hang on if you want, I'll get Josie on here in just a second. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cosby knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die, very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border, from personal experience, living, not just reporting what's happening. And now the Latina Report with Josie Casi. Buenos dias, chica.
3: Hey, good morning. Dobré útras to Dobre my utra. friends in Ukraine and buenos días to the Latino friends all over the uh, Spanish countries listening to us this morning.
1: Yay! Good morning, Greg. Good morning. Yeah. Brianna's still here too. We're if you excited. want to talk to her for a minute, yeah, I'm excited too. Hey, hey, Brianna. Good, good, uh,
3: good show this morning. Hi, Jessie. Hi. Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on with the illegals coming in in our country, and uh, I truly believe when President Trump comes in, he's going to deport them all because he's tracking them with space force right now. A lot of people. So how's he going know. to
1: do it? We asked this question earlier. I said uh, Brianna, and, and we can I don't know. Some, some variations. Well, Brianna, you to, if you have a couple minutes, Brianna, you want to relate some of the things we talked about? It was it was quite interesting. She has a force plan. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, uh, as, as uh, just a hypothetical situation, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, there's like just de- closing the border and deport oh, closing the border in all situations, of course, because um, we yeah. don't want any more flow in. But um, the different ideas were uh, deportation. Or you know, using the same buses to take that or bring them in, take them back. And then um, mm-hmm. there's the idea of the like, citizen militia's force. Um, mm-hmm.
3: And yeah.
2: then Greg's idea was um, to take away you know anything that they have or are given by yeah. the 19, for like for like sure. any yep. property or. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but but Bri- Brianna wants to call it the militia, which I thought was interesting.
3: Yeah. Yes, that's what it's called, militia, us mm-hmm. citizens, standing for our country, standing for our right, because they're breaking every law. And this government has broken every law, and that's why they don't care if they illegals break any law, and they're getting fancy hotel and they're complaining about it because they're going to put them in a shelter. So, you know, these people have the nerve to complain. So there's some Spanish videos going around from up. People from Puerto Rico is, like, so funny.
1: What's you, going on? I can, Tell me.
3: They're, they're, uh, they're complaining about all the illegals in New York City, you know, uh-huh.
1: that they the want Puerto to Rican be in fancy Hotel. You said Puerto Rican I'm Americans sorry, or what? what? You said Puerto yeah, Rico. Puerto
3: Rican Americans. Mm-hmm, okay.
1: Mm-hmm, Interesting.
3: Guy. Yes, yes. So we, we, we Trump is going to take care of all this. We just have to trust... And believe that uh, when he comes he's going to clean house completely and uh, we can hardly wait i can hardly wait to see the show start so it's well, hard i was yet. hoping
1: he'd uh, i was hoping he'd do something now because we've got the uh the 22nd amendment i talked about that with christina bob and she's like yeah you know her reading and this is mm-hmm. one of trump's attorneys her reading is the same thing that as of january 21st 2023 it's now less than mm-hmm. two years of trump's uh, second term so, of course, we we're hoping mm-hmm. for his second second term in 2024. But he can take yeah. office now and still run uh, in um, yeah, he's yeah, 2024. Yeah. Hey, we got a guest. we got a guest. we got Kui yeah. Griffin, uh, Cowboys for Trump. So let's bring him on. And so stick around, Brianna. This is going to be fun, too. This is someone – uh, we, we have a, a great public figure here. Let's give him – as I quickly scroll down through my list here. A round of applause, welcoming him back to the show. <laughs> Coy Griffin, if I pronounce it wrong, tell me. Welcome back to Action Radio. Hey,
4: you I'm well, you're getting close. It's Coy like the fish. Coy, there
1: coy
3: like yeah, the fish. am sir. Yeah. A, yeah.
4: <laughs> How y'all
3: sure doing? This. Koy. Good. Coy, thank you so much for a last-minute invite to come to uh, my Latino Report Hour with Greg Pinglish here with an awesome Action Radio show. And we're so thankful that you... Coming to give us an update on uh, January the sixth, and um, I haven't seen you, man. Where have you been? I know,
4: Josie. I've been, I, I've been up at the hole in the wall. That's where all the outlaws have to hang out at nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> is
1: that a secret location, or can you tell us where that is? Or are you just like all over no, the
4: country? I mean, yeah, I know it. You might want to know where it's at because we all might be there before long. The way this government's going, but. No, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm calling in from New Mexico. I I reside here in New Mexico where I was born and raised, um, and uh, though I've lived outside and traveled a lot and met a lot of different people, um, but, yeah, this is home.
1: Then New Mexico is a battleground state. You've got Trump electors, don't you, the Republican oh, state legislature? Gosh.
4: New Mexico's ground zero for this. This war that we're in right now. Um, Okay. Unfortunately, New Mexico is the the bluest state in the union and suffers the most from it. Um, You know, we have New Mexico. The landscape is amazing. The climate is out of fantastic. The culture is extremely diverse and wonderful. We have lots of natural resources. We just have. A a heap of potential, but we have a political problem, um, where we're blue from, from top to bottom and the result of it is is we're we're last in everything, you know. I mean every every positive statistical category we're last in and every negative one we're first in. And
1: uh it just well, all left results politics. That's a leftist tradition. I want to introduce you to somebody. We have uh, Brianna Cannon, who uh, is, is our youngest reporter, uh, does the government inquiry report in the hour right before he came on. Brianna, this is a great chance to talk to uh, someone who's going all around the country and uh, helping us and fighting the good somebody fight uh, against the tyranny. Yeah. So, Brianna, do you have a question at all for uh, – or do you know Coy Griffin? Uh, no, I do not. Okay. But
2: What's now kind of
1: you? question? There you go. <laughs> so do you have a message for our younger <laughs> folks and younger listeners, Coy?
4: Well, you know, um, just to study your history, um, you know, that's one thing that, uh, you know, our public education system and the powers that be are trying to erase is our history. And, and for the young kids growing up, you, one thing about history is it's, it's the guy, it's the thing that guides us into the future. You know, it teaches us um, the positive things that we want to repeat and the negative things that we want to stay away from. And so, if that was one uh one thing that I would encourage the young people to do is study American history and uh and and may it kind of shape your thought and your direction as you as you get older and grow up.
1: Okay, Brianna. Then I'll get to Josie. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: Coy,
3: uh, <laughs> she she young uh She's a young, smart girl. Uh, She's good with history. She's good with a lot of what our government is going on and also the legal, she was just talking about it. Uh, Pretty smart girl. And I think you're 16 or 17, Brianna? 16. 16. So I'm proud of this young girl that uh, she has a lot of knowledge uh, compared to a lot of young people at her age you know they don't they're clueless they're so attached to the phone and with little games but this young girl she's serious about she's on the registration every every Tuesday morning before I come on yeah
4: one two you
3: know Brianna um
4: you know I don't know where your faith is at I don't know what your understanding of of uh you know the God and the Bible and, and faith but you know I I just also like to tell you right now that we're so caught up in the politics but really when you boil it all down it's a spiritual war it's a battle of good and evil and the better understanding that you have of of God and 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 faith then the then the stronger you're going to be um moving forward and the stronger your platform is going to be because you know God is the is the point of wisdom and God will guide us. God will direct us. But don't ever put your faith and trust in man. You know, the middle of the Bible, Psalms 118.8 says it's better to trust in the Lord than to Mm -hmm. have confidence in man. And that's any man, Mm -hmm. including Donald Trump, including General Flynn, including all the, you know, all these big, powerful conservative voices. Even those, I mean, you can glean wisdom from them, but never – Uh, Trust in them Only put your trust and faith in the Lord And you're always on good ground
3: Amen Amen Yes Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely
2: All
1: right so, Corey, what's going on? What's, what's the news? Every time I, I Google well, you, all I hear are these nasty comments and what, what, a, what a horrible you know, person you are. You know, January 6th and well, everything else like that. Of course, I have to skip through that. I have to get, like, page 8 before I find something decent on you. <laughs> you do yeah, that well. So, so what's the it, truth? What's the news? You, what you've been doing? What's happening?
4: You must, yeah, you must be Googling my name because whenever you Google my name, that's all. That But that's part of the strategy of the left. You know, they defame you and slander you inside mm-hmm. the media and my that didn't just start with me on january the 6th it really it started with me on september the 13th of 2019 after i met with president trump in the oval office um i've i've been in the oval office i've sat down with the president i know president trump personally he knows me um he knows what i stand for and so these attacks from the left are very strategic they're all driven through the media Um, but the truth always comes out in the end and, you know, leading up to January 6th, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of lies and deception that, um, have been propagated from that day. You know, I mean, as I was there, I stood on the West side, I stood peacefully and patriotically, um, along with other patriots. I was arrested on January the 17th on a misdemeanor trespass charge where they charged me for standing outside of the Capitol. I didn't go in. I I did nothing. (laughs) I mean, if it
1: wasn't so, uh, you know, stupid and funny, I mean, it's tragic, but it's just, they're just making stuff up. Coy, they're just making stuff up. Oh, yeah, but I tell you
4: what, though, it wasn't funny whenever they threw me in that D.C. gulag for three weeks because of it, you know. How'd you get out? Three weeks. Well, because I didn't do anything. Other than misdemeanor trespass, you know, I mean, but, um, but, you know, the government, if the government would have had its way, or the prosecutors, I should say, I would still be in that gulag right now. And, and as I mentioned, I, I walked into an area outside of the Capitol that was not marked, there was no signs that said no trespassing or restricted area. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it was a trap, it was a trap to trap those like me and i was selectively prosecuted i mean the guy that traveled with me matt struck he was he was with me every step of the way josie knows matt he was with me every step yeah. of the way and mm-hmm. matt was never charged with anything you know but i was why was coy griffin charged because i know president trump
3: passing hmm.
0: mm-hmm. josie it
4: is sad
3: on? because uh we were just support because i was there too i was in the back part of the capitol and uh, i didn't see no signs either like he just said yeah. we were just there to support our president to support uh the fraud that we knew that it was going on and uh i mean they they did call the leader of, uh, of our group they uh traveled to dc oh, Uh, And they wanted everybody's name, so so far they haven't come to me, so uh, I'll be ready. No problem. I'm not afraid of FBI, CIA at all.
4: And Uh, and another thing, Josie, is that, you know, not only were there not signs, but there were police officers that were holding doors open for the people that were coming mm -hmm. in and fist bumping them, you know? there There were police officers that were taking down the barricades right in front of these Trump supporters. So mm-hmm. the actions of the police officers just uh, more sent the message to that they were allowed to do what they did. I mean, if you were yeah. if you were walking into a public building and there was a police officer that was holding the door for you as you walked in and and fist bumped you as you went by, would you think that you couldn't go into that public building? I mean, That's what was going on on this day, and the worst part about it is there's still Americans held inside a solitary confinement right now today in the most horrible places of torture you can imagine for doing just exactly Mm -hmm. what I
3: just said. That's sad. Let me ask you, uh, when you got arrested, uh, were they forcing you? to do the vaccine or to some of our prisoners because I know they did to doctor Simone Go. they wanted to yeah. give her the vaccine shot, uh, the COVID no. vaccine and she refused. No Josie but asked... what
4: they did with me and I knew that the vaccine was gonna follow but whenever they first arrested me I spent nine days in twenty four hour confinement. They didn't let me use mm-hmm. the telephone. They didn't let me uh they didn't let me take a shower That's... for nine days. Mm-hmm. Um, It was a place of sheer torture, and the reason why they kept me in there is because I wouldn't take the COVID test because I told them I wasn't sick, and they didn't know what to do with me. But the reason why I Mm. suffered and went through what I went through prove and show what the government would do to somebody that wouldn't comply because that was just a COVID test, and they treated me like that. Mm.
1: Yeah, but they wow. could have taken that Q-tip and and put it in your brain. There's a lot of cases of people injured by those COVID tests. That's why I would never have one.
4: Well, I'll tell you what. They came into my cell one time with the goon squad with six or seven men dressed in body armor and a doctor with a swab. And they were fixing to take oh. me to the ground and shove that thing up my nose.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. You know?
4: But they had mm. a... One of them had maybe two brain cells by the time it was done, and they decided it wasn't a good idea. But, you know, I mean, that's the thats the evil that we're up against right now. That's the evil of the government. That's the tyranny that we're under.
1: So where are the repercussions? Normally when something this horrible happens, these people are responsible. Uh, they need to be arrested. They need to be prosecuted. They need to be thrown in jail. Do they have any f- – fear of any kind of repercussions because obviously you're going to tell your story. It's going to go into a book. Someday there'll be documentaries made on this. Hopefully we'll have yeah. enough decent people in Congress to do something. I don't see that happening right now. I mean, well, where, where's our, where's no. the, what I call the gelding GOP, you know, the why, gelding yeah, old party. Why be sca- where are why they? Be
4: scared of a bu- why be scared of a bunch of cowards? You know, if, yeah. if that's why they operate the way they do, if Matt gay and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Bobert and Kevin McCarthy and all those that we are supposed to be on our side if mm-hmm. they had the spine enough to get the the the, the footage from that day mm-hmm. and and show it to the people then this deal would all go away but i mean not only that look at the Epstein stuff you know the, the, we have a we have a majority in congress right now and we have a bunch of pedophiles that were connected to the Epstein circle in that Gates doesn't even have the courage to mention Epstein's name from the gallery. You know, I mean, it, you take the, the, the shooting of Ashley Babbitt, that, mm-hmm. that whole speaker's lobby thing, we've been gaslighted for two and a half years with the same two minutes of video footage. We've seen it over and over and over and over again, which was shot by, <laughs> Jaden X, who is a known Black Lives Matter, uh, I don't know if he's part of Black Lives Matter or not, but I know he's been part of the protest. But we that's the only footage of that, that event that we've seen for two and a half years. And Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert can't get us a couple more minutes from a different angle that might show a different perspective of what uh-huh. happened. You know? I mean, they're gaslighting us on this stuff. It's the same videos over and over and over and over and over again. And, but we just need and, to see more videos so we know what really happened.
3: And, and we know, and we know that that the Capitol has all these cameras outside, inside, and outside. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, it's well protected because I know. Oh I yeah. live in D.C. I used to be in the Capitol all the time. I know the top security that they have. And, uh, yes, I am ashamed of these Republican leaders that they haven't been able to get the video uh, to show the American people what's really the truth. But the truth, like you said, is going to come out eventually, and they're just scared. and They don't have nothing to lose right now to make up all the stories and continue torturing our our men. And uh, Ashley's mom, we had her as a guest last uh, Tuesday, I think I was telling you. Uh and she was awesome. Yeah. She really was awesome. Yeah. I told them they can listen this morning and they can call in if they want. Uh Mariposa yep. I sent her a message also. So uh yep. we need to no. we need to help each other and stand for each other because uh, a lot of a lot of people that I talk to them in my store, they don't have a clue that we still have prisoners, like worse than having prisoners in Cuba or Nicaragua. This is yeah. this is a disgrace what they yeah. are doing to our American people. Period, period.
4: Uh, no, I'll tell you not. what, too, that, yeah, uh, just real quickly to follow that up, Josie,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and if anybody out there has a line on Matt Gates or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lo- Lauren Boebert or those that are in Congress right now, Speaker McCarthy with the majority, they're going to be mm-hmm. complicit in this if, through their silence if they don't hurry up and get us. If they know, if McCarthy mm-hmm. has seen videos that will expose uh, certain people, and McCarthy isn't showing those videos because he's afraid of the blowback and what it's going to do to his institution called the United States of America. If McCarthy Mm -hmm. is holding those videos, he's going to be complicit in this, and he will be guilty of treason just with the rest of them
1: if they don't move
4: on this quick.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll be sending
1: this show to uh, to Matt Gates. He's he's our congressman here, both Josie's and mine. Yes. And so he'll get that. But uh, but the question is, but they don't talk to us a whole lot. And that's enough for for a while. That's since 2018. So. Mm-hmm. What's going on with Trump? I mean, why doesn't he do a documentary in a daily or like a weekly press conference, uh, you know, like the Truth Squad? Get out there and get the message because I don't have any faith in this Congress. Congress is responsible oh. to the Republican Party and their campaign donors. So even the best of them, the Matt Gates, the Lauren yeah. Boeberts, and the Marjorie Taylor Greens, still have to run for office. And they still have to get money from somewhere, yeah. even though Gates doesn't yeah. have, like, pack things. He's got his own pack. So, so yeah. they're all still under the, under the restrictions of the state, of the deep state. Yeah. Trump isn't. Yeah. He's like the only person that I isn't. Hear so I hear you. So have you talked to him recently, is there something going on uh, with him? Yeah, but, is there uh, anything, uh, any news to report of, of uh, like I said, he needs to be out there. And not, not just saying the same thing over and over again. He needs to be absolutely. out there with, with actual evidence. You know, uh, he should be, get absolutely. that stuff released if he possibly can. And where's where the loyal intelligence? Josie talks about the intelligence community all the time. So where are the loyal ones? Yeah. Why, why mm-hmm. isn't this leaked? I mean, everything Trump did is yeah. leaked. Why can't the intelligence folks yeah. leak the truth? But there's a I concept that it, leaking it, the it, truth. It, it, Let's run with that.
4: Yeah, I think I think the intelligence community. I think there, there is a big shift and there is a move inside, there are great whistleblowers coming forward. Kyle is one of them. There's there's Who's some that? whistleblowers that are stepping up that are going to be our silver bullet in this. But the okay. Trump question is a million dollar question, and it's the question that makes my blood boil because, I mean, I know Trump. I, I, I haven't spoken to him since January. I haven't spoken to him recently. Um, but his silence is really aggravating in this, too, because Trump could be stepping up and advocating strongly, not only for the January 6th stuff, but we don't, we're don't we not even talking about the vaccine, you know. I mean, just recently, Trump said still said that the vaccine has saved hundreds of millions of lives.
1: No, oh, he's I deluded. Mean, he doesn't know.
0: Honestly,
1: so Trump,
4: I, yeah. The way I see it right now, Trump has his political car that's completely totaled out, and he doesn't even hasn't even realized it yet. I think that okay. Trump could survive this politically, but the only way that he can is to humble himself enough to realize and acknowledge that there has been some mistakes made. He got some bad advice, and. If he could get a find a place of humility and recognize that there has been mistakes made and he has been a part of some mm-hmm. of those mistakes that were made, yep. then yep. I think that he could survive this politically. But if he keeps beating this vaccine drum and boasting in Operation Warp Speed and being silent about January 6th, Trump is driving himself into a place of political
1: destruction, in my opinion. You know, no, I agree. I, I think mean, you're absolutely right. Um, this is this is why. It's so I want to say one thing. In the, is, I want to see if we get Brianna back, because she's still in the conversation. Brianna, based on what you've heard so far, do you, any January 6th impressions, or do you have a question for Coy? And then I got a, a big question for him.
2: Um, no, I don't have any questions.
1: Okay, I mean, I was all... calling? Yeah, so I'll let you jump okay. in whenever you want yeah. to, Coy. I, I just want to before Josie gets back in here. We've had a um, a couple of pretty incredible people on the show. Uh, we had uh, Christina Bob recently, Trump's attorney. We had Peter Navarro uh, back around the November elections, uh, and uh, trying to get some. We had Dr. Peter McCullough on, uh, and all all three of those folks, and as well as you, I presented our citizen legislation. So the the big bills. I don't know if you can get these out in the public yourself, or if you can get them directly to Trump, or both. But ideally. I'd like to have Action Radio work directly with the Trump campaign. We have a bill on vaccine product liability. It would put liability where it belongs, on the vaccine manufacturers, on big pharma, on Pfizer. That's the first one. And the second big one would eliminate big tech uh, censorship. It would completely make it impossible for them to censor because they get their asses sued off. And so if we could sure. just get those two bills, I'll text them to you. So I'll give you an action radio. Okay. They'll say, you know, my name and action radio. So you'll know it's me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. but if you, anything you can do to get those out there, because I still think citizen legislation, we write the laws that Congress can't. We write the laws that the deep state doesn't want. We write the laws that the corporate elites, you know, in trying to control us you know, that would actually bankrupt them, like Big Tobacco. Big Tobacco is the model, right? Big Tobacco was brought down by liability lawsuits. Well, the same thing can happen to Big sure. Pharma, but we have to get past their liability immunity. So um, yeah. no, what do you sin, think? Can you help sin, us out?
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I've i got a yeah, I'll absolutely help however I can. Uh, give okay. You my word I mean, the bill the I, I understand. Just, I've got yeah,
0: – Yeah, you're busy.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you know, I mean, I, I've been – I'm the first elected official in over 150 years that's been removed from office on grounds of insurrection. After January 6th, you know, I'm a county commissioner out here in New Mexico. And Uh so after January the 6th, I came back and they tried to recall me from office, which their recall failed because my people know me. And so since they couldn't get me out of office through a recall, they filed a civil lawsuit on grounds of insurrection and I had the likes of Lawrence Try, Erwin Sherminsky, Dan Abrams, the NAACP. They all entered into this lawsuit against me. Took me before in a civil trial before a state district court judge, a liberal Democrat, on a bench trial. And he wrote an order at the end of this removing me from office on ground of insurrection. So that's the kind of fraud that we have out in New Mexico right now. And wow. I haven't heard anything from Trump on. I mean, they're trying to. They're going to try to use the same thing against Trump. Yep. Trump's been totally silent on it. You know, um, Flynn. You know, I Matt talked to General Flynn about it and told him my situation. And I know Flynn. You know, I've I've visited with mm-hmm. Flynn. I've met him numbers of times. And mm-hmm. Flynn's response was, "Well, he needs to raise money." No, I, I don't need to raise money. I need guys like Flynn and Trump and Matt Gates and others to speak up in my defense because money doesn't always just solve everything. It's we If we're going to create a movement on the grassroots level, mm-hmm. it, the most powerful movement is for the people to stand up and rise up in support of those who are mm-hmm. being annihilated by the system. And I think I'm a pretty good example of that, but yet that's just never their mindset. They, they just think money and powerful attorneys, and that's the solution. No, it's not. If that was a solution, we'd we'd already have won. The, we have to create a grassroots movement, pull up, and by and the only way we can do that is by speaking on the highest platforms about the injustices of the low of the lowest people. You know, and if <laughs> we could bring all of that together, then we can expose this evil in our country today, and we're not going to have people that are just indoctrinated by the media and the left, you know, which is the same.
1: Yes. If we've already got something organized around that, we not not only have the the platform that you're talking about, we have the legislation already written. You know, we can take this to the people from the people to the media, from the media to the government and put them in a position where they really have to pass this stuff, you know, and it's very straightforward, very basic. You know, we're not hiding anything. It's completely transparent. And if Congress comes up with a completely different version, it's like, well, let me show you the original. Where in the vaccine liability bill, yeah. liability bill, it says, instead of saying shall not be liable, it says shall be fully liable. Well, that's, anybody Absolutely. can understand that. You know, and and our, our big tech bill. Big tech bill says they're immune from anything that you post. But if they touch anything you post or if they touch your account or if they arrange the search engines, they lose their liability immunity and they can be sued. So liability is go. the key to controlling both big tech and big pharma. Oh, yeah. Anybody can understand why, these bills. Why? and I've just summarized two of them. That's it.
4: Li- liability you know out here in New Mexico we voted three na- three no to not certify the election, okay on the county level uh-huh. we were We were threatened with fourth degree felonies and removal of office unless we voted yes on a yes no vote on the certification <laughs> and people would wonder, why would you be threatened by a uh, for to vote yes on a yes no vote and with a felony and remove us from office if we don't vote yes. And the reason why is just what you said, it's liability. Now this county or the boards of supervisors, we watch it out in Arizona with Carrie Lake still where those boards of supervisors said, I think the election's rigged, but I'm going to vote yes because I don't want to get a felony charged against me. But that's what they're doing. They're shifting the liability on the county level. So when the fraud all washes out, they're going to step back and go, well, you guys voted to certify. But exactly. if we had people on the local level that actually were more concerned about their oath than self-preserving and would do anything to hold the line, then we could we could do what we wanted Mike Pence to do on the county level. We don't we vote no on the certification until we get the machines gone, the drop boxes gone, we get voter ID in place, we get paper mm-hmm. ballots. We could make all those demands on the county level. And and take back control of our elections on the county level, but you know, I mean, I I told just what I told you. I told Kerry Lake this the other day,
0: mm-hmm. in a
4: conversation, and Kerry Lake's response was, "Well, you know, we just need to move the certification up to the state legislators," and I was like, "No, we don't. We need to keep no, it on don't. the county side. We don't. Need, we need a voice on the local level. That's where our republic is represented at." You know, they want to move all the power and influence up to the state <laughs> legislators and the federal representatives. No, the voice of the people in our public our republic is best represented on the local level, on the county level. You know, mm-hmm. that's where we can get our country
1: back. Yeah, we have yeah. a bill I'm going to send you uh, that uh, Diane Warner, who's our election integrity reporter, she's on Wednesdays, wrote, and I uh, helped a little bit with that. But it basically that's what you say: no voting machines, all paper ballots all hand-counted, all counting videotapes. And my new idea uh, that I introduced from a previous bill I wrote is that all registrations, voter registrations, expire December 31st at midnight. So everybody has to re-register every year. That's the only way you keep the voting rolls uh, clean. How's that sound? Or, oh, oh,
0: absolutely.
4: Hold on, hold on.
1: I want to get Corey's response, and then, then I'll let you go, Josie. Yeah, no, I, I,
4: absolutely. The, the, and the voting rolls, the, the rolls are, that's... That's where they're cheating us, okay? Okay. The, the voter rolls are so compromised right now and and so cluttered that, that it's just a bigger pool of voters to steal from. That's why they want to get the voting age reduced to 16. Not necessarily because they think that they're going to get all those young votes. It's just so they have more votes to steal from, a bigger pool to steal from. I, I still have confidence enough in young People like Brianna and others that are like her, that are young, I still think they have enough sense to vote for people that are good people. But the reason why they want to lower the voting age is just so they can steal from more. No, I think that's great, Greg.
1: Thank you. I'll, I'll get Brianna um, back in a second. I want to get Josie out of comment first, and we'll go to Brianna. Uh, she's okay, which is good. Um, Josie? I also
3: wrote a bill in 2018 for single print ID that if, if Mickey Mouse and the military have single print ID, I think the American people should have an ID to vote with a fingerprint. And that way dead people cannot be voting and illegals cannot be voting. And uh, it's very important for us. And I have given this bill to Matt Gay, uh, Hannity from uh, Fox. Uh, I give it to Mike Flint. I give it to Cindy Powell. And uh, nobody's doing anything. Nobody's uh, helping us. So, but I um, don't,
4: but you know, even with the fingerprint thing, if it's digital, if it's electronic, then it can be compromised. You know, the hackers, whoever creates the technology has the keys to it. I think the safest way for our electorate paper. is everything, paper ballot and mechanical mm-hmm. machines. You know, nothing electronic, no d- digitally stored information anywhere. You know, it's all hand counted. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, we just we we can't we can't run the risk of technology whenever it comes to our voting systems, because computer hackers, they operate outside of government's control. Well, unless they're under government's control. Let
1: me get to Brianna here. 16 year old, but we just happen to have a 16 year old on the panel. So let's ask Brianna. What do you think of that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. J- yeah, um, like on the electronic kind of thing, just the other day, I haven't like really read much into it, but supposedly there was this huge hacking that occurred um, like all across the nation where hundreds of, I don't even know what they were, I guess just systems in general were being hacked all at once. So, I mean, technology is a really dangerous um, thing to rely on, especially in the voting process.
1: How about 16-year-olds voting?
4: Absolutely, Breonna. And, you know, and with the hackers, I no. mean, it wasn't that long ago, if you research, that the American government had to pay computer hackers not to hack into our food supply, and they had to pay ransoms for them not to hack into our energy sector. So if our government is having to pay ransoms to computer hackers, that's evidence in itself that they're operating outside of government
1: control.
2: Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah, Brianna said no to sixteen Yeah, year and, year and I voting, I don't believe in
2: sixteen year olds voting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah, I think you so, should be no, eighteen know. and adult.
3: hmm Exactly.
2: Go cool. So what's the Yo. latest with you right
3: now? Um I know you live in a little town, Santa Rosa, uh I forgot the name of your town. Tula Rosa.
0: Yeah.
3: Tula Rosa. <laughs> That's so yes, cute. <laughs> the beautiful road. Yeah. yeah uh yeah so did you get married with that beautiful girl with you no no i'm i'm taking
4: my boy to school right now i've been multitasking as i've been talking to y'all on the phone and getting him ready for school i'm just like most of your other Uh listeners out there just trying to trying to keep everything together and trying to you know but yeah i'm i'm uh I've got a jury trial the end of this month. The, State of the, the Secretary of State has a, a campaign finance violation charged against me, which is t- totally frivolous. Um, I had mm-hmm. Sydney Powell represent me in the 10th Circuit um, on the mm-hmm. same charge, and it, she lost the opinion. Um, so now, since we lost on the civil side in the 10th, now I have a criminal charge pressed against me. But the beauty oh. of this is is I have a jury, it's a jury trial. It will be a jury of my peers in my own hometown. And I have great confidence in that. And that leads me to January six as well. If there's any Mm -hmm. advocacy that you guys do for those in January six, it should be to get a change of venue to these trials where they're moved outside of the DC beltway, because constitutionally we're supposed to have a right to a jury of our peers. And whenever you take mm-hmm. an area like D.C. where it's 94 percent Biden supporters, that's mm-hmm. not where our peers live. And that's why we're getting assassinated at these trials.
1: Well, I'm going to run this uh, oh, by wow. Jonathan Mosley, who's our, who's our uh, he's a criminal defense attorney, our legal reporter. And he worked with Stuart Rhodes of the Oath Keepers. Stuart Rhodes actually called us from the Oklahoma federal prison. He called Jonathan because he really? was his attorney. And then Jonathan Conference yeah. called it to the show. I've got two recordings of him. I'll send those to you also. I'll, I'll take yeah, you to those shows.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, are you in contact with him at all? Yeah, I know Stewart. Okay.
4: I yeah, I know I know Stewart. You know, I mean, I I never worked with him like with events or anything, but I I, I know Stewart in passing. And Stewart Stewart just loves freedom. He sees the tyranny that's going on, just like we do. Mm-hmm. Except, you mm-hmm. know, he's he's an attorney. He's a he knows the law, and he formed the group, the Oath Keepers. And isn't it the irony in it right now that the very people that are sitting in prison are the group called the Oath Keepers? Whenever <laughs> all the Oath Breakers are running free, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't mean to laugh, but the the irony is hysterical. That the people yeah, that stole the I government know. are prosecuting people that tried to save the government and threw them in jail. Uh, it's just yeah. the, the, you know, it's very strange out here uh, as to what's going There's on. Just further
4: up well, here, tyranny, yeah.
1: Yeah, who's the judge that wrote that opinion? I, w- I want to see if I can. Uh, I want to. I want to analyze that on the show. That they actually declared you an insurrectionist after what we call the Capitol Hill Invitational walk-in? And that's what I mean. We we yeah. use yeah. different language here for everything. So if you start calling it so yeah. this, was, this was an Invitational walk-in. You know, this was uh, this is at the invitation of the FBI, the CIA, the uh, the deep state, uh, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and all the other. Black Lives
4: Matter. <laughs> you know, yeah. was. Fra-
1: who's the judge Francis
4: Francis Matthews from the first district in New Mexico and I have the transcripts I can send mm-hmm. you the transcripts of the trial and you're going to get sick to your stomach whenever you see how this trial was handled it was just and I've got an appeal right now filed with the New Mexico Supreme Court and the mm-hmm. New Mexico Supreme Court won't respond to my appeal because they're going to either eat have to eat the fraud that Matthews cooked up for them. Or turn on one of their own and throw it in the trash. So that's why the New Mexico Supreme Court hasn't responded to my appeal yet.
1: Of course not. The same reason the Supreme Court didn't take the Texas case on election fraud, because they'd have to do something. So this is a yep. top-down problem. This is systemic. This is, we talked about the judges going being controlled uh, earlier this week. That's uh, the entire system. So, so what do you think is going on here? What, if you had to kind of summarize everything that you've seen, you know, we've got a, it's almost like a separate – and I talked about this with Brianna earlier. I call it the nation of government. That Washington D.C. has become virtually its own country, and we're like the, yeah. the colonies. We're the peasants. We're the serfs out here. We pay our taxes. Oh. We pay to support it, um, but it really is its own government. They have their own system, their own walls, their own borders, yeah. their own rules, their own their own prisons, their own yeah. everything, and they operate on a completely yeah. different system. How am I doing? Yeah. What do you think?
4: Well, you're you're absolutely right. And the I think okay. the solution of it is. It's just what I spoke to Brianna about earlier, and that's God, you know. I mean, I think, again, I think this is a spiritual war, and I think the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the only one that's going to give us any relief out of this. And I think that that's coming mm-hmm. soon. I mean, the devil's manifesting himself at the Grammys the other night, brought to you by Pfizer, you know. I mean,
3: how, about how that? much
4: more in your face and down your throat does it have to get to that? And, and in regards to D.C., if mm-hmm. you look at the layout of D.C. and the symbolism of Washington, D.C., it's satanic from top to bottom, you know. So we're yes. definitely in a spiritual war, and I believe the only thing that's going to save us now is Jesus. And I think he's coming, and when Amen. he comes again, he ain't going to be on a donkey. He's going to be on a great white horse, and he's going to come back to judge, Woo. you know. So,
3: Hallelujah. Um,
4: that's the day I pray for. <laughs> Amen, Josie. <Jody.
3: laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, Coy, just really, I know yep. you probably have to go take care of your business there. Um, are you going to be in Doral uh, May 12th at the uh, Awakening event?
4: No, you know, it's funny. Those I never get invited to those uh, Clay Clark events. And
3: uh, I think yeah, the reason
4: lie. why Josie, <laughs> Josie is because um, I might swing a little bit harder than Clay Clark, you know. I mean, I... I I speak a little bit harder, and sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that's not a good marketing point, and that's not good for business, you Mm -hmm. know, so, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe one of these days I'll get invited to one, I know, I love you guys, I love, everybody that goes to them I love, so,
1: one of these days we'll
4: all get together again.
1: All right. Well we need to form our own okay. activist group. Uh and it likes to have I wonder if they right. just I don't think they want solutions. I think they want to uh, continue raising complaining to an art form and make money. Well, off yeah,
4: it. you know, that's that's where yeah, that's the money. That's the money part. That's hey, the that's power part. Money. It's just it's okay. why our politicians <laughs> and our doctors only deal with symptoms and they don't go to the root cause. If Matt Gates and them wanted to go to the root cause they'd start talking about Jeffrey mm-hmm. Epstein. And then all the symptoms yep. would go away, you know. I mean,
1: Can you tell us about that before you go? I know you're limited on time. Can you give us some the latest Epstein information or anything more you know about it?
4: I just know that the Epstein Ranch is located out here in New Mexico, and it still hasn't been investigated. So that's a a drum that I beat very loudly, and it's probably why I come under the crosshairs as, as bad as I do. But, yeah. Mm. But hey, is that stop or is all it open to the public? I'm going here to school right now. <laughs> I got to drop my boy off. I better say bye to him. Hey,
3: God okay. bless. And Philip is listening right, to y'all. you right now. He sent me a text.
4: <laughs> all right, Josie. All right. Hey, love you
3: guys.
1: Love, love you too. You Thanks, Corey.
4: appreciate what you do. Call whenever you want. I'm always
1: available. Thank you. Thank, thank you. I thank you. will. Thank
3: you so much. Uh, See you now again. All right,
1: y'all. Oh, get out. God bless you,
3: Chico. God bless.
1: Let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> I'll send him the show after we're done with it, too. That was fascinating. Uh, Josie, thank you so much. You deserve a round of applause, too. Let me see if I can find one for you here. Because you, uh, you, you bring the most amazing people to the show. Ashley Babbitt's mom, Coy Griffin, twice now. Um, let's, Brianna's still yeah. here, which is kind of cool. So, Brianna, what do you think of what you've just heard?
2: Um, I definitely hear things that I hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. Um I mean we do that a lot. It's not very surprising, but yeah. um it really does just it shows just another um, avenue of how far we've gone.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Jesse?
2: He stayed for a little bit. I
3: thought he was only going to be on for 20 minutes, so I'm glad he gave us a little extra time. Well uh, we get
1: to talking, you know, everybody does. says that. Peter Navarro said yes. 15 minutes, and he was on like Good. 35, you know. So, I mm-hmm. listen, as long as mm-hmm. people are willing to, to talk to talk. when they say they have to go, it's like, okay, you've got to go. I understand that. But as long as they're still here, yeah. I mean, I, I like to maximize our opportunities. That was fascinating. Uh, I want to get that judge's opinion, Francis uh, Matthews, because that's something oh, that's yeah. – uh, I want to get connected with Jonathan. And I'll send the show. Well, I'll send it to our, our group anyway. But uh, it might be interesting, especially if. See, this is the, we need to unite, folks. The real crusaders, you know, us. If I can be that that mm-hmm. uh, that that arrogant. But uh, the Stuart Rhodes, the um, you know, the Corey Griffins, the the people that are really out there. I here's an asking question for you, Josie, and Brandon. To ask the same thing. Do you think there's a contingent of people that are? raising, complaining to an art form that really don't want the solution. They're happier just talking about it on their talk shows in their events and they get everybody else stirred up and they make money and all that other kind of stuff. But they're not, they're not absolutely dedicated. Like we are to fixing this. That's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of feeling now more than than I did before. Josie.
3: Well, I think, uh, I think you're absolutely correct. They, hmm. uh, A lot of doctors, a lot of politicians, they're continuing their propaganda and they're not really uh, helping uh, like our prisoners. They should have been out of there a long time ago. And nobody's Mm -hmm. helping, nobody's doing anything, and they're doing all the shows, and I don't know how long the shows are going to be going on. And, you know, that's a money-making machine. Uh, One T-shirt alone is 35 bucks. You know, mm. uh, everything is expensive. So they, I think they don't want to continue uh, and look at all the people that have their own little radio uh, thing on uh, uh, different uh, platforms, you know. Mm-hmm. and I don't know what's going to happen when it's all over. They, they What are they going to do, you know? So, yeah, it's all about the money.
1: It's like environmentalists, of, you know, once they cleaned up the environment, they couldn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they're the, the forcing electric cars and all this other nonsense on us. Well, one of the things we have in our Australian Bill of Individual Rights is, is the right to energy. When we talk about uh, – Brianna, you might want to take a look at that. I'll, I'll send that to you also or just go on, action on our writeyourlaws.com site. But said the idea that, uh, that you know, the environmentalists – well, Brianna, what do you think? Uh, how's the environment looking to you yeah, compared to, to what you studied you know, about it? Because 1970 was like when things all changed with Earth Day. What do you think of modern environmentalism? Um, bring, yeah.
2: modern environmentalism. Um, I think it's definitely just a push for control overall. I think it's just another way to control people.
1: It makes sense to me, but they, they did good work originally. I mean, I remember Earth Day. I remember Hazard, uh, the Hazmat, the Superfunds. I remember the stories of Love's Canal and I remember flying into Los Angeles in 1970, you know, one of the very first 747s from Hawaii, uh, coming from Australia on, on a visit. And uh it was like this massive black cloud. I thought it was a massive thunderstorm. Apparently it's just smog. You know, and then you get under it. And it's like it was horrible. And then of course now it's gone. They don't have that anymore 'cause the the car engines are cleaner, everything's cleaner. It's like environmentalism worked and now they can't shut up. You know, they are have to find a new cause and it's just, you know, global warming. Oh please give me a break. Anyway, just let's get to you. Let's talk about uh because um, you mentioned Colombia earlier and some of the other <laughs> things. And if you, do we have more listeners, to, yes. you know, more Spanish country language countries are listening to this report?
3: Uh, I'm not sure what other Okay, I thought, you, I thought
1: you said something like that or just, uh, just a general greeting.
3: Yeah. Well, for whoever's listening to us, yeah. uh, I have sent the show to Cuba. I don't know if they're listening to us. Cuba does.
1: Our... Cuba's still on the map. Um, you know who else is on the map now? Cyprus. Yeah? Cyprus okay, popped up good. on the map. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're all international celebrities. Um,
3: (laughs) Colombia, are preparing. parent, um, some of my friends, we had dinner the other night, and uh,
1: they were talking
3: about it. They're panicking. Uh, There's going to be a shutdown through the whole country of Colombia. It's going to be a huge strike coming up soon, and uh, there's not going to be no food. There's not going to be anything. Uh, So it's kind of sad for the poor people that they don't have the money to buy all this food ahead of time, you know? So it's a big thing going on. They're going to do a huge strike uh, to get rid of the president. So I don't know if that's going to happen or not because they have a communist president that our system, Democrat and some Republicans, has president from Colombia. And and so is Chile, Mexico, all these countries, you know, uh, they're all Venezuela, yeah. Venezuela, yeah. Mm hmm
1: and Brazil, too. It seems like the pattern. Brazil seems to be holding out yeah, at least Brazil. something. You know, so so this is all, this is typical communism. Just, uh, Brianna was talking about this very first thing, what communists do. Control education, you know, split everybody by race, um, mm-hmm. take over the media. And uh, I forgot what the first thing was, control the elections. You know, and so there are no elections anymore. And turn so, so neighbors all stuff...
2: against each other.
1: There you go. Okay, yeah, feel free to add more. But this is the pattern. And oh, no. Go ahead.
3: And in Cuba, Greg, they even have money for poor people and for rich people. They divide the poor and the rich because there's only two two types of people, rich or poor. There's no middle class, uh, blue collar like here. And in Nicaragua right now, uh, there's no one that can run against this dictatorship president. That's it. They're done. He, how
1: long he, has he been there? Uh, how, so old no in how, how old Daniel is
3: Daniel Ortega? How old is
1: Daniel Ortega now? He's gotta be like, seventies, early eighties.
3: Probably 70 something older than me. I'm
1: sixty four, okay.
3: so uh yeah. and he's why she's the vice president. She's she's like a witch and two feet. Um, yeah, she's bad. Very bad. But you know huh. that's what happened with a lot of a lot of young people, uh as young as twelve, loving communists and supporting uh the Sandinista Uh, Back in the 79, 77, they started on 77, because I remember going to some of the meetings myself. When I traveled to Nicaragua, they invited me to go to the meeting uh, about Sandinistas. And uh, so now a lot of these people, that they're older, they've regretted what they did when they were young, but uh, it's a little too late because uh, they cannot get uh, Daniel Ortega out of Nicaragua. You know? So it's, uh, it's a disgrace what this family has done. To these people, they they're stealing everything: your farm, your cattle, your gold, sugarcane farm. I mean, everything. Uh, they own everything. This family, Ortega family.
1: You know that's very and similar to America the, the Biden crime family here. I, I had some background noise. It might have been Brianna's line. So, if you have background noise, or if you're not speaking, mm-hmm. just mute your line. Then you can always, you know, unmute it uh, mm-hmm. uh, when you come back here. But do you see similarities with, uh, yeah, with the Ortega was, family? Oh, okay, <laughs> is that pretty funny? Actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's okay. Like I said, just just mute your line and then just pop it back I on you when line. you want to speak again. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it mm-hmm. seems to be families. You look at the families. You know, we can go back to the Medici in in, uh, in in Europe. You know, and these huge families control so much. Or in our country, you know, the Biden, Kennedy, Clinton, Bush families control massive amounts mm-hmm. of power. You know, you look at the Ortegas mm-hmm. in Nicaragua, and so. But right now Somoza. we have a, basically a Somoza, Exactly. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a crime family here. Years. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, the Batistas yeah. in in Cuba too before uh, before Castro.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
1: what's Batista. happening with the Biden crime crime family? Any any news of? Uh, we got the, the this this bogus day of the union. Tonight. I have to listen to it just because you know it's my job, <laughs> but I don't want to
3: because
1: it's going to be all lies. There's a bunch of lies. He's going to lie about everything.
3: I think it's so funny. So many people have grabbed this picture of this balloon from China. And oh my God, it's just so funny. All the different types of little videos and little comments Mm -hmm. and things. It's just, it, it sounds cute and everything. But let me tell you, this Chinese balloon was was spying and taking pictures or doing whatever they were doing because they want to they want to reach and attack our emp that's the mm-hmm. agenda that they probably have because if our emp goes out we'll go backwards 100 a 100 year
1: and you should explain that. Um, that this is why i miss dr peter price so much on the show because he talked about mm-hmm. emp all the time brianna do you know what emp is yeah okay Good. Just want you, for for our listeners, I yeah. want you to quickly tell folks how bad this can be and what it is, or I'll give it a shot.
3: Well, uh, the one minute you drive in your car, and the next minute, if the EMP gets shut down by China or, or any terrorist, uh, you're going to be stranded in the middle of nowhere because your car runs by computer, most cars, <laughs> unless you have an old car like I do. We do have a couple old cars. uh Everything gets shut down, hospitals, uh, any equipment, pharmacies, everything within 24 hours, you're going to have so many people, millions of people dead because a lot of people are in life support uh, uh, doing this, uh, uh, all these type of uh, procedures in hospitals and people uh, will start dying and food will rot. I mean, you just... It's a care, it will be a care, and the American people are so used to all these luxury things we mm-hmm. we will know what to do without electricity I do oh yeah,
1: electricity shut down here it's hot. it's terrible i am getting a little battery thing here pretty soon to uh, to carry me through the power failures, yeah, but it controls everything's controlled mm-hmm. by computer the the water plants. You know, the yeah. electricity, um, all the traffic signals. I mean, everything's controlled by computer now. So when the Everything. computers, and it's, a, it's like a nuclear blast high enough so that it doesn't kill everybody right away, but it, it kills all the computers. So anything with a circuit, yeah. you know, gets fried and you can't start it up again. But what I didn't realize and what Dr. Peter Price said and, and what, what Josie's talking about now is how much of our society is controlled by computer. So even if you have an old car, your gas station where it has the fuel, well, that has a computer. So, you so you're only going to have what's in your fuel tank, which means you've got to you know, start all this, all the preppers and all the folks that are uh, you know, having all kinds of stuff and people with guards and things like that uh, and learning to hunt. You know That's, that's, that's going to be the key, but we hope it doesn't get to that. But then you have to ask yourself, what would, why would China do that? Why would they do an EMP? Of course, we know who did it, and the nuclear missiles mm-hmm. might still be the, – the, the, our nuclear missiles are probably still old enough that they're manual or have a separate electronic system, I would think. I would hope. Mm-hmm. But if we couldn't shoot down a balloon in a that. week – If we can't shoot, I asked Brianna the same question. If we can't shoot down a balloon in a week, what are we going to do if they launch a missile, especially a hypersonic that's here in, what, two minutes?
3: We, I don't know, we had a different view on that balloon. Uh, uh, What were you thinking? Bernie from Truth and RTV was talking about it.
0: Okay. Uh, Trump
3: knew about it, and Trump is in full control of our military. Uh, He's allowing for some militaries to go here, to go there, Germany, uh, because if Biden was in full control of our military, most of our young people would be dead in Ukraine already, uh, fighting the neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Uh, but it's not happening. Uh, they're trying to get around by sending a team. Uh, right now they're going to Germany and different areas like that, Turkey, and kind of like walk, walk, work their way to come to the ukraine uh this is criminal uh who we have uh running our country which is obama in full control of you know the country right now uh but um this balloon thing we believe uh that trump knew exactly what was going on and they allow it and if the uh headhunter military uh, knew exactly what they were doing, which, you know, they sent all, the, all the information to China I- immediately, you know, because China probably knew that they were going to uh, blow it up anyway. Uh, but something is going on, so I don't think we need to worry too much about it. That, yeah,
1: see, I'm not sure about uh, that. I'm not our, sure that Trump, that, uh, well, first of all, they kept saying that Trump had it happened three times in his administration. That's been proven to be false, obviously. Um mm-hmm. Trump would have not only shot it down, he would have bragged about it. <laughs> so, you know, you look, at, you look at basic human nature. It's like, yeah, hey, I shot down a Chinese balloon today.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so uh, people forget, who you know, the personalities. They give it away. Brandon doesn't have the competence mm-hmm. to do anything, so he doesn't care. Millie probably talked to his Chinese counterpart saying, what are you doing flying a balloon over us? Oh, yeah. oh, don't worry about it, Millie. Just let it go. Shoot it down over the Atlantic. We'll have our stuff. Okay, fine. Thank you. So he gets his instructions mm-hmm. from his Chinese counterpart. You know, the Brian, and, of course, the whole Brandon crime family. Let me – uh, let's get to Brianna on this again here, because Josie and I have a disagreement in that uh, her theory, as she told you, is that Trump you know, is, is still in charge of the military and unless this happened, to gather evidence to eventually arrest all these people. I don't think so. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here. You don't have to be on the spot unless you no, want okay. to. But I, I don't think so because I think <laughs> that uh, if he really had all the evidence, these people would be in jail already and he'd already be back in the White House because now he can serve because of the 22nd Amendment. As I mentioned earlier, when Corey was here, That we, I think I mentioned it. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, that Trump can now serve out his, his second term and run again for his second, second term because he'll be serving less than two years. And that's what the 22nd Amendment says. So do you have an opinion either way on this, Brianna? I'm just curious. Is it all um, set up I don't or is particularly it not? know like yeah.
2: everything that okay. he has. Okay. But um so I can't say like with all honesty if I think he is or isn't. I mean just offhand based on only what I know, I, I would obviously have to say like no. Um he that's not what he's doing, but of course, you know, anything is possible anywhere. Um but I just don't know enough of
1: it. Okay. Well you have to go with what you know. And which, you know, what you can speculate, we do speculate a lot here too, Josie. Yeah,
2: but I do um, have to go now. Well, but It's okay. been a nice, nice talking you
1: to Brianna. you. Well, thanks for sticking bye. around the next hour. It's always good to have you here. Bye, Brianna, bye Anna. Talk to you next week.
3: I kind of uh, have to go too, uh, Greg, because I have to okay. earn my money, my living. Yeah. I have to open my store at ten. Okay. And uh, I know Philip is listening, so you might have to open, honey, this morning. Hi, Philip.
1: <laughs> Hi, honey. You have to open hey, for Josie. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't resist. Well, let's let's give yourself a, you know, sell your store. Let's hear what it is and who it is and all that. And as the Gossip Center and, and Information Control Center of Pensacola.
3: <laughs> exactly. We are the Information Center in Pensacola. It's root Uniform Shop on Olive Road. Come and see us shop for Scrubs, Wear, and... Uh, Get your ears full when you come. We share the gospel of Jesus on my store, and um, you can leave with Jesus when you leave the, step out of that door.
1: Yeah. Do you have a website? It's very
3: important to reach people.
1: our. Huh? you have a website maybe our foreign listeners can correspond? You never no, know. No,
3: I should do a website, actually, but I don't yeah. have one.
1: Or, yeah. or get a public email. But, uh, get a get a public email. So mine is Greg at WriteYourLessons. dot com. Mm-hmm. So that's separate from my other my personal emails. But the public email. If you have mm-hmm. a public email, we you could give that every show. And who knows where people call from? Yeah. And, and we've got live chat, we, and we have the Skype line, so people can call us that way too. But at, when, when this show gets huge, which it will, I mean, we're we're on our way. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be interesting to see yeah. who contacts you and from where. Uh, we, like Cyprus lessons, Belarus, the country above Ukraine.
3: Belarus.
1: Belarus has listeners. Mm-hmm. Russia has listeners. Um, most of Eastern Europe uh, listens to the show. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, Latvia does, but Estonia and Lithu- Lithuania used to, and Estonia doesn't.
0: Italy. But we've got the
1: the Baltic oh. countries. We've got all the way down where Turkey listens. You know, all Romania, Hungary, Czech Republic. You know, all these places in the way. Um, uh, you know, Slovakia. All these places next to Ukraine listen. And so, I think. No, do you think good. Ukraine's blocked, or we just don't have a listener there? Would they be blocking our signal? Because everybody else in Eastern Europe, you know, has people listening in.
3: I'll send the show again. I have sent it to some of my friends in the Ukraine. Okay. And they listen in when I send it to them, but I don't know if they can get it live. I lost. Maybe them it doesn't register it's like if, it's,
1: if it's sent as a as a as an email. They? they have to actually log in. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, I'll see if it pops up. Okay. Thank you. And uh, we'll God next, bless uh, you, Greg, next week.
3: and uh, we'll be in touch soon. And uh, ciao, everybody. Oh yeah. Dozvidania.
1: Arrivederci. Bye. Adios.
3: Arrivederci. Ciao.
1: Yeah, there <laughs> we go. Pick a language. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, we covered many of there, So everybody's left me. It's just me here now. <laughs> I'm going to play some stuff. It is 9.03 uh, on an amazing Tuesday. This has been incredible. We had Corey Griffin, a uh, Cowboy for Trump. And we had uh, Brianna Cannon, who starts us off with government inquiry, and then uh, Jesse Cossie with the Latino report in the second hour. I've got some stuff on the State of the Union and some of the lies that are being told, particularly on the jobs report. And so if you want to call me, 215 383 we've got live chat. Uh, which is also open. That's at the bottom of your broadcast page if you're listening live. You can just uh, sign in there and and type a message from anywhere in the world. We've got the Skype line, so if you want to call by Skype, you you call in, and then I have to okay your account, and then it's okay for the next time you call in. So there's many ways to reach us. And, of course, my uh, public email, greg at com, also works. Um, but there's all kinds of things that you can do uh, to get a message here or, or join us. I'm also on my Facebook. I've got like 20 groups on Facebook. You can reach us there too. Uh, the big website for our legislative stuff is writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, com. Broadcast site here, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. And also, I'm explaining our bills. Uh, I'm writing about all our bills on uh, Substack. So Greg Penglis. Uh, That's G-R-E-G-P-E-N-G-L-I-S. dot Greg That's how you can find us also. So play a little bit of stuff here, and I'll be back, and then we can talk about uh, lies, more lies, statistics, and then the State of the Union, which kind of seems to follow along uh, with those. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeForceEnergy.com That's StrikeForceEnergy.com Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. From Addiction to Achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with My Pillow and now goes to My Coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of MyPillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. MyPillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed. to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Well, I do have to say it was great to connect with uh, Corey Griffin again. And uh, I guess we talked about a year ago, maybe. It's been a while. But the whole January 6th thing that just won't go away, The, uh, uh, the coup, And I didn't get a chance. Well, I I don't know. Maybe I just I got a bunch of stuff I wrote down here, but uh, about what happened under the Capitol. I mean, that's the real coup. And we've talked about that before. But uh, if if know, takes our legislation and starts making it more public, that's going to be huge for us. So it's just me, just me and my microphone here right now. So uh, and all you folks will be listening uh, over time with the podcast. Podcasts are doing really well. Uh, The live show, it's interesting. Most people still listen by podcast, which is fine. Because, you know, like I say, when you cover all the world's time zones, it's hard for everybody to be awake at this particular uh, hour and and have time to uh, hang out with us. But if you do, it's great. Um, So let's talk about State of the Union. And the State of the Union is sad. Um, The State of the Union is we have an illegal government. The State of the Union is we have a moron, you know, sitting at the top of that illegal government who thinks he can run again. The State of the Union is that we have no union. You can't have a union when you have an illegal government. I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense. It's, an, it's a non sequitur. It's, it's, it's an oxymoron. It's all the things that, uh, that you know, the, it's the worst of the worst. You know, there is no government in the United States. There's no federal government. There's no duly uh, constituted federal government because it's, the election was stolen. So when you have a stolen election and you don't have a federal government, the, the people that are sitting there, you know, wielding the, the levers of power or throwing the levers of power, you know, who have no legitimate power, they don't care. They can do whatever they want. They can lie, they can cheat, they can steal, they can probably assassinate, they can uh, throw people in jail, they can set up gulags, they can deny uh, every right that we have, every constitutional right, because they don't care. They're already in office illegally. So once you're in office illegally, it doesn't matter. It's like an illegal alien. Anything they do here beyond being illegal, they're already illegal. So everything they do, they're just adding crimes on their crimes, but it doesn't matter because the original crime of being here illegally isn't prosecuted. We don't take all this stuff yet. We should. We could. Our own county here, our own county supervisors here in Santa Rosa County, Florida, you know, could get off their, their, their wallowing fat butts and do something constructive um, by uh, creating an illegal alien free zone by using civil asset forfeiture to take all the property of illegal aliens so they don't live here anymore. If every county in Florida did that, our illegals would leave for another state. You know, California, (laughs) Michigan, (laughs) I don't know, Um, New York, you know, Connecticut, uh, New Hampshire, not New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts, wherever else they go. But they go away from here. They go to the liberal states, which is fine with me because they're sanctuaries. So they're they're basically criminal sanctuaries. Criminal sanctuaries for sex traffickers, rapists, murderers, uh, deadbeats, uh, tax frauds, cheats, uh, people who steal your employment, your jobs, take up space on your roads, put their kids illegally in, in our schools and everything else they do. So with everything being this illegal, you know, so we talked about earlier the stages of communism: stealing elections, dividing people by race, putting people against each other, ruining, you know, control using education to control people and dumb people down, uh, controlling the money so people think that freedom uh, is getting free stuff and if it comes from the government, it must be good. You know, that's these are all the the hallmarks of a communist dictatorship. So that's where we are. I'm you know, in many ways, I'm surprised I'm still able to do this. I'm glad. Maybe they just don't think'm this is going to catch on citizen legislation, yeah, it's no big deal, yeah, just wait, you just keep waiting. it's coming you know different like I say, I differ with Josie on on how we're going to do this, how we're going to you know wage our, our peaceful revolution, but uh, the end result is we all want freedom so I've been listening to the news, and uh, of course, uh, Big Mouth is bragging about uh you know and lying about his jobs report. Saying, oh isn't this wonderful? All these new jobs were created. Well, they're still bringing jobs back from COVID. So, so you have to take that into account first, that most of what they say they're creating uh, just simply isn't true. Um, because, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you take away somebody's job through a lockout, so you lock down a company, and then uh, when the job comes back, when you stop locking down the company, that job wasn't created. That job was just restarted, <laughs> you know, completely different way of looking at it. So i got a couple of things here for you. Uh, if you want to listen to this, if you're listening tonight and you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, this job is important. Well, how, how did Brand create half a million jobs? Well, he didn't. He he did what the government has done since Clinton, which is they, they restate how they, they do the numbers. So in other words, they changed the formulas. And so you can't trust anything. The, the, really, no government statistics since Clinton can really be trusted because they change how they measure them. They change how they measure unemployment. They change how they measure inflation. They change how they measure everything. And by changing the measure, there is no standard. So when the Depression had, you know, 25% unemployment uh, and the 2008 and previous recessions had, you know, maybe 7 or 8% unemployment, no, it was still 25%. They just changed how they measured it. And they, they did selective categories. And so that's how they get around this kind of stuff. So, the, the, you know, we were in a depression a couple of times, you know, during the last, uh, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, but it's just that it wasn't as long lasting and it wasn't as obvious. And we didn't have the bread lines and things like that. There's so much welfare that they borrowed, you know, so much to keep people going, creating inflation for the, the next round of inflation, which eventually caused the next depression. It's kind of a, a cyclic thing. So I found something in Investopedia. Investopedia. There we go. And it's called Participation Rate versus Unemployment Rate. What's the difference? This is by Robert C. Kelly. Oh, probably an Irishman. Robert C. Kelly and Christina Majaski, M A J A S K I, and Kelly K E L L Y. This is September twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. So it's a couple of years old. But it's hard to find good information uh ever since Brandon took over. It's like the media kinda quit. You know, and all the people that know stuff, you know, you, you don't find them anymore. I guess it's like they're not allowed to write anything that might uh, condemn Brandon for his, uh, you know, his criminal actions of, of occupying the White House and uh, proclaiming all kinds of things and completely just lying through his teeth. He's going to lie tonight. I mean, everything he says tonight is going to be a lie. Uh, 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 everything after "Good evening," <laughs> he, he may actually genuinely wish us a good evening, but it's hard to tell. So the participation rate versus the unemployment rate. So participation is the percent of people who are able to work who are actually working. So they figure like 16 to 65 is who they're talking about here. The unemployment rate is those who say they want a job but don't have one. So the unemployment rate is not the amount of people who don't have a job between 16 and, let's say, 18 to 65. Although high school kids work, it's part-time, it's different rules. But 18-year-old 18, 18 adults until 65, let's just take that as a proportion. So the amount of adults in that age group, 18 to 65, who don't work, that's the, uh, you would think that would be the unemployment rate, but it's not. It's the, it's the participation rate. Unemployment is those who say, well, there's like three or four different levels of unemployment. The one they give you is the least um, measure. It's those who said, who they've actually surveyed, who said, well, yeah, I'm looking for a job. You know, they don't actually have one because how do you know they're not just saying that? So let me read the article. Uh, And it was from, again, September 27th, 2021. Participation rate versus unemployment rate and overview. The participation rate and the unemployment rate are economic metrics used to gauge the health of the U.S. job market. The key difference between the two is the participation rate measures the percentage of Americans who are in the labor force while the unemployment rate measures the percentage within the labor force that is currently without a job. Both are calculated by the uh, the b s uh, bureau <laughs> the the, the b l s the bureau of Statistics, yeah, the b s bureau of labor <laughs> it's actually the Bureau of labor and statistics okay now allegedly they're honest you know good bureaucrats who are just you know doing their job and they they're supposed to be independent. You know, of the president's administration. But as we know now, everything is political. And so I don't think there's anything independent about them. But this is what they say. So this is a participation rate. Brighten my screen a little bit. It's getting darker. There we go. Uh, Citizens are classified as members of the labor force if they have a job or are actively looking for one. So if you're not looking for a job, even though you're of working age, you're not classified as, as a worker, you're, you know, whatever it is. And you're not classified as unemployed because you're not looking for a job. You can only be unemployed if you're looking for a job. So if you're a lazy ass living off COVID money, you know, in your mommy's basement, uh, you're not counted. Uh, you're probably not counted. as You're, you're counted in the participation rate because you're a deadbeat, but you're not counted as unemployed because you're not even looking for a job because you're deadbeat. Okay. So that's how that works. It says, the participation rate is the percentage of adult Americans, excluding active duty military service people, and those incarcerated or otherwise institutionalized, Tokyo, there we go, who are members of the labor force. The 21st century has seen a steady decline in labor force participation. Well, isn't that interesting? Now, if it's been a steady decline, you're not creating more jobs. So there's the first lie, right? So in 2000, it reached a peak of 67.3%. So that would be during 2000. That was present in 2000. So Bush was was 2000 to 2008. So this would have been the last of Clinton's job market with Newt Gingrich, maybe. I'm just guessing. So the highest labor participation was during the end of the Clinton administration, second term, and the end of uh, Newt Gingrich being Speaker of the House, where they actually had a balanced budget. Uh, They didn't, uh, there was no national, there was no uh, deficit. There was still a national debt, but there's no deficit. They weren't adding to the national debt. Hey, how about that? We had the largest participation rate when we had the least government spending. What does that tell you? Anyway, so he says, so the 21st century has seen a steady decline in labor force participation. In 2000, it reached a peak of 67.3%. By July 2020, it had fallen to 62.7%. Excuse me. You might not think that's a lot of people, but that's a lot of people. Five percent of working age people in a country of 330 million? You do the math. Let's see, let's see, let's just say half the, uh, I'm I'm just going to just basic. Let's just say half the amount of people are in the labor force. Let's say 150 million, 150 million uh, times 0.05 is seven, seven and a half million people. (laughs) So there are seven and a half million fewer people working today than we're working in 2000, 20 years ago, when the population was less. Especially five million. We got five. We got at least probably seven million illegal aliens that Brandon brought in. So we we've brought in more people uh, illegally, and we've lost more people in the labor force. Almost at a comparable number. That's kind of interesting. Article says the COVID-19 pandemic had an initial impact on both unemployment and the participation rate. In fact, there was a marked decrease in the participation rate in 2020 in the U.S. from a level of 63.4% in January of 2020. That's when COVID first you know, came into the country, you know, banning travel from China and that kind of stuff, to 60.2% in April of 2020. So from January to April, uh, the, the, work, the participation rate fell 34 almost 4%. Almost 4%. That's huge. Biggest single drop, it says, since the year 2001, which was the first year that Bush uh, that had a recession, which would have been the Clinton recession because the, they were all operating off Clinton budgets. Okay, factors that, were, that impact participation rates. There's a number of factors impact the labor force particip- part- slow down, Greg. participation rate, including social, demographic, and economic trends. Following a recession in 2001 and the 2008 financial crisis, for example, the participation rate saw significant dips. Yeah, when the economy sucks, nobody gets hired. Well, that makes sense. So, so the, the, the drop in labor participation is because it's simply where it drops, as opposed to the, the, the welfare bums that took advantage of COVID who were paid not to work. That's an entirely different thing. It says many economists point to the baby boomer generation retiring and leaving the labor force as partly responsible for a decrease in labor participation. Oh, so it's the retiree's fault? <laughs> no, we have plenty of people who could work. It says economists also argue that the decline is a result of low skilled workers losing their jobs to outsourcing or automation, where lot the artificial intelligence gets here, right? Having no success finding new employment and therefore dropping out of the labor force entirely. So in other words, people look for a job for a while got frustrated and stopped working. Well, how could they afford to do that? Unless, it, unless it's either mommy's basement and mommy's paying, uh, or the national mommy state is paying. But somehow these people are getting money to live while not working. That in itself is a problem. So, if it came from government, that means that we all had to pay for these, whiff, these these bums, these welfare bums. You know, which means taxes had to go up, and so less productivity, fewer goods in society, you know, produced by fewer people. Uh, that's what we call a recession. <laughs> anyway, so dipping, uh, dropping a labor force entirely. It says, for this reason, they feel the participation rate is more accurate, a more accurate measure of the state of the job market than the unemployment rate. I tend to agree. The unemployment rate does not consider discouraged workers, those who gave up, uh, defined as those, it says, I said those who gave up. They say defined as those unemployed workers who would like to work but have given up looking for work altogether, usually because they believe that there are no jobs available. Well, get off your butt and look. <laughs> There's always jobs available. Anyway. Well, unless you're a buggy whip maker or some obsolete technology. Then it says, however, there are a number of reasons why adult Americans might choose not to participate in the labor force. Students, stay-at-home parents, uh, and the retired may choose to keep themselves out of the workforce. Well, those are, yeah, so those people who don't want well, what do you mean stay-at-home parents? I mean, people work from home now, so that's not necessarily applying. And it says there are six different ways the unemployment rate is calculated by the Bureau of Labor and Statistics using different criteria, but the most widely used is the U3 rate, which measures the number of people who are jobless but actively seeking employment. <clears throat> so if you take discouraged workers, the unemployment rate is a lot higher. So when they tell you the rate is, uh, you know, 3.5%, 4%, something like that, uh, it's probably closer to 7 to 10%. Uh, The total unemployment rate, but they don't tell you those figures because they want to make it look good. All right, before I get back to unemployment rate, let's check in with Pianchi, see what he has, and then I'll get back to my my article. So, Pianchi, what's on your mind this morning of of everything we've talked about? Oh, you talked
5: about everything except for the national emergency that's going on up in New York. All the immigrants are leaving. Oh, they're, they're complaining about the horrible conditions.
0: We talked about that. The drugs,
5: the crimes, the prostitution, the bad food.
1: <laughs> the bad hotels. The lack of the Waldorf Astoria. <laughs> yeah,
5: it was a, it was Hotel California.
1: So what kind of arrogant jerks come to our country illegally, get all the freebies from the American people, and then have the unmitigated gall to complain that they're not getting enough freebies uh, from the American people, that their hotel isn't good enough when most Americans can't even afford those hotels? That's they ought to be deported just for arrogance.
5: Oh no, they uh, <laughs> they not going to be deported. And now we're going to see how openly and armed the Canadians, the Chinooks, take them in.
1: Well, do you know there's a, there's a candidate I've been following up there, Peter Polivier. Uh, I, I don't know if he's I think he's French Canadian. Uh, He speaks English with a lot of French accent, which is pretty amazing. Um, But he's the conservative member of parliament, I think, is running for prime minister. Do you know anything about him? He's on my uh, international news. Well, if you go to our Action Radio international news group, I put about three or four of his, he does like these eight-minute talks, mostly complaining about Trudeau and the solutions that the conservatives would have to fix. I think he's going to be the next prime minister, personal guess. Uh, I'm going to try and get in touch with him and and see if we can get him on. I also know a reporter uh, in Ottawa you know, who might be able to help also. Um, but, uh, but Canada, let's, let's see what happens with Canada. Because Trudeau tried to ban all the hunting rifles. And Polybius says no. And as a member of Parliament, he actually blocked it. So they're able to stop that that bogus thing. In fact, if he has his way, hopefully that uh, all of Canada's gun rights will be restored. Wouldn't that be interesting? But there's, there's things happening in Canada. So I would definitely take a look up there, uh, especially as our largest trading partner and being a, you know, a born in Toronto, Canadian myself. So it'd be very interesting to see have you been up there? Have you been to Canada? Oh, a long time ago.
0: Okay, just curious.
5: But uh, you know, another thing is uh, a new porn star it came on the scene. Uh, of course, George Floyd was a porn star, uh, go by the name of uh, the landlord, but now you got oh, a wife.
1: The landlord? Wait, just wait, 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 wife. George Floyd was called the landlord? That was his porn name?
5: Yeah. You didn't know Gay that? Gay
1: porn or straight porn?
5: No, yeah, straight porn.
1: Okay, I'm just curious. Uh, so tell me about Newsom's yeah. wife.
5: <laughs> oh, she's also uh, in the news for having some poem arrangements and also trying to expose this stuff to kids in uh, grade school.
1: So was she working in the sex industry, as they say, or was she trying to engage in pornographic activities? What's what's the As details? far as
5: I understand, as far as I understand, I think I gave you that uh, that story on her. I think she yeah, was, I was.
1: She I had a lot have, of prep for today. She
5: may yeah. have. She may have already engaged in the movie. So.
1: Hmm. Okay. She, but so well, it just
5: goes to show you the mindset of these people nowadays. I don't understand it. Uh, I'm seeking. Uh, I'm going to have to go seek some some therapeutic treatment in order to <laughs> help me realize with my mind what the hell's going on. Am I missing something? Am I missing out? Is they all we're, around you?
1: Yeah, we were talking about that earlier with Brianna that we're really becoming uh, you know a separate nation. and uh, the, the, the the communist forces you know, want to separate it by race, by by gender, by – she talked about misgendering people. It's a term I hadn't really heard. In other words, you call a person by something that that, that – in other words, uh, I guess they're insulted if you you call uh, a man a man or a woman a woman, you know, and like at the Grammys last night or the night before, they talked about, um, you know, the the first transgender woman, in other words, a man, (laughs) that won an award for women, you know, and that was okay because we're living in the twilight zone but also the satanic worship that went on with it. And I wasn't quite sure what uh, Dorothy meant when she talked about that uh, yesterday. Then I saw some of the clips last night on the news. It's definitely satanic worship. So those people are truly sick. Um, from the economic knowledge, I want to get back to my my, my theme here. Yeah, she made her
5: non- it, says, it says here that her non-for-profit made $1.5 from films with porn. And this was reported by the Gateway Gateway Public, by the way. So you're saying
1: not for profit? Sounds like to me that's very profitable for not for profit.
5: The representation project run by California Governor Gavin Newsom's wife, Jennifer,
1: who wants him to be president. She's she's nudged him all through. From I remember Gavin Newsom when he was mayor of San Francisco. He walked by me and my daughter for a Chinese New Year parade, and I said, "That's the mayor." My kid's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's nice. <laughs> we saw him. Actually, let me tell you, do you remember Jerry Brown? I'll tell you a funny Jerry Brown story. I've never told the story on the air. Jerry Brown was governor of California. He was also uh, mayor of Oakland. And he ran for president. He actually ran on a flat tax, a 10% flat tax. Most people forget that. So here's the Jerry Brown story. Now, I didn't agree with him on a lot of things politically. His father was, was Edmund Pat Brown. So his father was governor. He was governor. He still got an allowance from his parents well into his 50s. Uh, but he was an interesting guy. And, again, some things I agree with, the flat tax, and a lot of things I didn't agree with. But he, basically he was a really decent guy. And one day, because uh, um, I, I live not too far from this place called Lake Merritt in Oakland, and my daughter and I, we used to ride bikes around there, walk around there, and we'd have fun. So one day we are on our bikes, and she stopped to take a break. And this guy comes up and puts his foot on her back tire. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what kind of jerk puts his puts his foot and starts tying a shoe on my daughter's back tire? Right, my kid. I think she's like nine or ten at this point. And I look back and I see who it is. And I said, sweetie, I'd like you to meet uh, Governor Jerry Brown. He's now the mayor of Oakland. And she's like, hi, Mr. Brown. <laughs> so we got to talking. Okay, this is how decent this guy is. So we're talking away, and I just and I told him, you know, send to enter do some your password. Up. Oh, what? Am I still there? Hello. Hello. Pianki got dropped. Am I still in the air? I hope I'm still in the air. We'll see what... Uh, Pianki got... I heard someone, this voice said, please enter your password. So let's hope I'm still in the... I was in the middle of a great story too. So let's assume I'm still... Hopefully Pianki will call back in a second and we'll see what happened. I don't see any reason why I shouldn't be on. So this is why I keep uh, telling these folks to uh, put the DB meters. I've been after blog talk for about three years to get decibel meters so that I know when I'm broadcasting and when I'm not. So that was your line to drop? Did you hear the please enter your password thing? Was that you? Jackie?
5: Yeah, I think I hit something irresponsible, but that's, you know how well, that's it okay.
1: is. No, no, I don't mind yeah, that. I just want to make sure to... that I'm still... I just want to make sure that I'm still broadcasting. Okay, Josie says I'm oh, still Oh yeah, Thanks, Josie. Appreciate man. it. Okay. So I've, I've been after blog talk for dB meters, decibel meters, so that I know. Uh, and they can do digital ones. My, uh, you know, the, When I produce those commercials and announcements, I use a program called Adobe Audition. It has dB meters. It has decibel meters so that I don't overbalance my soundtrack or my voice, and I can blend them and mix them properly so it sounds okay uh, when, I, when I produce all the things I produce. Anyway, so back to the story. So Jerry Brown has his foot on my daughter's bicycle tire, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so I said, and I told him that I knew about politics. I knew who he was. It was really nice to meet him and all that stuff. He says, yeah, well, well, says, well let's chat for a few minutes. I'm like, okay. So Jerry, he's bald at this point. He's mayor of Oakland. So he brings us over to his limo. He sees how his dogs, he had these two beautiful Labradors, so, of course, you know, my, my daughter, Alexandra, is thrilled with all this. This is a great time. She knows he's a political figure. She's smart enough to know that. We he must have been there 20, 25 minutes just talking about stuff, playing with Jerry Brown's dogs. Uh, then he hopped back in his limo and went off to whatever business he had to do. But um, it, it was just this fabulous meeting. And this is the, one of those rare insights into, into politics that you can have someone whose policies you may disagree with, but who's genuinely a nice person. So I feel like someone like a Jerry Brown I could always talk to you know and, and like i say if i had a you know an issue with his issues that would be fine but we would talk we would civil we were we we're decent people to each other so i just want to say that about jerry brown for everybody that thinks that all liberals are bad they're not this guy was a decent guy he just his solutions i just disagree with completely so there's your story for today
5: well you're right all liberals are bad they just overran they overrun by the market they can't do anything. Right. yeah, yeah
1: Let's they, they, the other half of them is just terrible well, yeah, something really disgusting. Yeah, but good liberals who love this country and have disagreements on policy, I don't have a problem with. We can talk about the, our differences and you in policy. Know,
5: uh-huh. One other thing, too, unless you get back to your show. Oh, I don't not, know why good. people are Go so ahead. mad at China. China has all the right in the world, Greg, to have area views of all the farmland they own in the United States. What's wrong <laughs> with that?
1: Well, here's a question for you. As a national security measure, should we nationalize the Chinese farmland? If it's owned by the Chinese Communist
5: Party. Oh, they didn't have to do that. I'm <laughs> not saying they were uh, going to do that. I asked what's you, his name? Wait. Turtle.
1: I, yeah.
5: O'Connell. You know, look at O'Connell and the the ties that he had with the CCC, Communist, Chinese Communist Party, through his wife, the big shipbuilder.
1: Who are you talking about? Her husband, probably oh, oh, the big okay. ship builder. Yeah, Mitch McConnell, his, his wife is, yeah, his wife is, uh, you know, the Chinese shipping company family. Well, you've got Rand Paul, whose wife has uh, bought a huge amount of Gilead stock. They're the folks that make remdesivir, part of the remdesivir ventilator death march. There's a lot of problems, a lot of conflict. That's why, that's why Fauci doesn't have to worry about Rand Paul, because he knows he'll never ask him the really bad questions, because, he, you know, his wife's already bought into pharma, so he can always make it publicly. He'll know, well, you know, your wife invests in big pharma, dude. <laughs> he doesn't want to risk that. Well, you so know, only so much. Trump uh-huh. had her,
5: remember Trump had uh, appointed her to a position in which she quit after January the 6th, but that's mm. the whole thing. That's why O'Connell stabbed Trump in the back. is because of his wife and they want to be able to uh, have access to whatever they can, especially the shipbuilding here mm-hmm. in the United
1: States. Oh yeah, by utilizing him. Part of the supply chain, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about. Same thing with Susan Rice. Okay.
5: Susan Rice married uh, a husband, father, was a big timber lumber tycoon in Canada.
1: Well, that's interesting. Well, look at Pierre Paul-A-Vie. Uh I, I'm going to see what I can do about uh, getting him on the show. I think it would be fascinating. He might l- like our concept of citizen legislation. I also have to go back with Corey Griffin, the uh, cowboy for Trump, who was on earlier. That was great that Josie brought him on. Okay, I want to talk about unemployment because this is going to be one of the big lies tonight. So tonight's State of the Union by the illegal government giving an illegal State of the Union, which is not a union because we have an illegal government, is going to lie through their teeth, lie through their ass about unemployment. So Brandon's going to say, he's already said it, we've created half a million new jobs. This is patently untrue. And so especially if you take the work, the, the worker participation rate versus the unemployment rate. Now, on the corporate level, when you, when you had your company, Pianchi, how did, how did unemployment work? And then I want to get this article, and I've got one more I want to get in before, uh, before we're done today. So how did unemployment work on a, on, a, on a corporate level for you? Well,
5: I've never had anybody unemployed. Everybody was working.
1: But they still have to pay unemployment insurance. Did you collect that or is that just automatically taken? Oh, from you patients? mean you had to unemployed?
5: That's that goes along with the with the uh I think it's called a nine ten. But uh it's so just payroll. It, it goes along. See what what it is is that my when my payroll service gave out the checks their pay theory, you know, mm-hmm. on Wednesdays Mm-hmm. I had checks for all employees. I usually pass out on Thursday. Then I had another check uh, for the uh, monies that I was entrusted to hold for the federal government, U.S. Treasury, which included the unemployment, included uh, employee withholding, mm-hmm. and it's another one there I can't even
1: remember. Well, it's disability. I think you're talking about that. Medicare, Social Security, the payroll disability. disability. That the check FICA. was made out to. Yeah, that check
5: was made out to the Internal Revenue Service. By the way, all three of them.
1: Huh. I'm pulling up a site called Shadow Stats. This is one of my favorite uh, uh, stats. They have alternative data. Let's look at unemployment right now. And so these are folks that measure using the old criteria. In other words, and I talked about this earlier when they talked about. Uh, um, the unemployment rate uh, during the depression was about 22 25 percent and during obama you know the worst of his recessions they said it was about like seven or eight percent but it really was closer to like 15 to 20 percent that's what when um, dr walter williams was on the show he said it was about 15 you know percent so if they measure it the classic way it's very different than if the, the way they look at it uh, uh now so now we've got here what's this now unemployment data Oh, uh, it's got, uh, what are we saying here now? All right, current, okay, they're, I'm trying to find a chart here. Um. No, this one looks different, U3 and U6. Oh, so the unemployment rate, they're saying, right, oh, it took a huge jump, Twenty twenty one. Now they're saying it's back down again, uh, but it was at a high, no, something wrong here. I'll have to do this another time. Um. You know, it has money supply, unemployment, inflation. The inflation one's actually easier. Uh, to read. So they have inflation up at about 18%, whereas everybody else thinks it's about 8%. So so if you look at the classic way of measuring inflation, inflation is really about 10% higher than they're saying it is. Unemployment's about the same way. See if I can get an unemployment chart here real quick. The, the numbers don't look right. They've got like one3 It's supposed to be like 4 or 5%. Anyway, I'll I'll look at it later. All right, let's get back to unemployment. So worker worker participation rate is the percent of those who are in the working age, 18 to, or I think I said 16 to 65, who are actually working. And so unemployment's a different thing because you have to be looking for a job. So let me finish this, and then I have a a, a counter thing that's going to dispel all the lies from tonight. So unemployment, the unemployment rate only considers those in the labor force. For the purpose of calculating the unemployment rate, part-time workers are considered to be employed, even if they are involuntary part-time workers, <laughs> so you are only get 20 hours this week, not 40, right? Uh, or part-time workers who would rather be employed full-time, but cannot find full-time employment due to inability to find full-time employment or lack of demand for their skills. So even the part-time jobs are considered jobs. So if, uh, and this is this is another common trick the government will do, is they'll say that, say they, they increase you know, part-time jobs by a huge amount. We've increased jobs. Well, if you take a full-time worker and you cut their hours in half and hire two people, you know, two part-time workers at 20 hours to cover one full-time worker at 40 hours so you don't have to pay full-time benefits, that's counted as two jobs created. (laughs) Okay, that's a big lie. And that's just some of the lies we're going to hear tonight. Uh, Okay, so this is an unemployment rate of 5% means only 5 out of 100 workers in the labor force are without jobs. However, the unemployment rate does not consider unemployed workers who have given up looking altogether, even though they want to work. So in other words, to be considered unemployed, you have to be both looking for work and wanting to work. You know, if you're discouraged and you're saying, ah, screw this, there's no jobs, you're not unemployed anymore. Not under the measure that you get in the media, you're actually under, you know, long-term discouraged worker, which is like U6 of the six measures they have. That's the one that you don't get reported. That's what I'm going to see if I can find here. So it says at the end of, this is from Investopedia. At the end of December 2020, the unemployment rate was 6.7%, according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. The number of unemployed people remains unchanged from November 2020 at 10.7 million. And this is, this is written 2020, let me get my date again. So, September twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. So we're talking, you know, a year or so later. Uh, it says, let me see if I can go back to my spot here. The report noted that although both measures aren't much lower than their April highs, they're nearly twice their pre-pandemic levels in February. So this is the thing too. So Pianki, you probably coming into this too. If you lost your job because your company was either forced to lock down or they complied, being idiots, uh, and you were out of a job, then. When you come back to your job, Brandon's counting that as a, as a job that was created. That job wasn't created. He just started back up again. Have you heard about that, Panky? The folks that say that they got the yeah, job back?
5: That's the way the Democrats calculate things. It's 6% for these first $7,000 mm-hmm. of an employee. Then, of course, they owe an unemployment tax to the state, too, whichever one you're in.
1: Mhm, Yeah. Have you heard the uh, the the economists? Whenever they talk about unemployment, they say that ze- they say that four percent unemployment is zero percent unemployment. Have you ever heard that uh, that bandied about? Oh, I, I never paid too much attention to it. Okay, I did. <laughs> and this is what I've heard. Because to me, that's a lie. Only zero percent unemployment is zero percent unemployment. But they use this. Because the economists, especially the government economists, well, corporate ones too, they build into the system a certain amount of unemployment that they say is zero because you always want to have a certain level of unemployment because that puts pressure on the employed people to accept less money. See, when there's zero unemployment, employers have to pay more. When there's negative unemployment, they have to pay a lot more, which means there are a lot more jobs available than there are people who can fill them. That might be part of the reason for bringing in all the illegals to not only fill jobs, not the ones that they say Americans don't want to do, that's a bunch of nonsense. Americans don't want to do jobs that don't pay enough for them to support themselves. That's different than saying Americans don't want to do the job. But if you're if you're a poor person from Central America and $5 an hour is like $50 an hour equivalent in Honduras, then you you're able to work a $5 an hour job because you know, you're sending so much money back and you're actually benefiting, you know, your family and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. But if you're an American that has to pay the rents, the, the bills, all the things like that, you know, you, $5 an hour ain't going to get you very far. You know, so it's a different thing. So illegal aliens bring down the wages. Illegal aliens bring down the job market because these people aren't counted on the books because they're illegal aliens. So who knows? So that'd be a great measure. What's the illegal alien portion of the job market? Participation rate, which of course is illegal. That's something that's not taken into account. So most of these figures are bogus. Anyway, so this is a comprehensive picture of the job market. Taken together, the participation rate and the unemployment rate can provide a more comprehensive picture of the job market. A high participation rate combined with a low unemployment rate is a sure sign of a robust job market. Agreed. During the late 1990s, the participation rate was 65%, while the unemployment rate hovered below 5%. And here we go. Most economists agree this is one of the best periods in modern history for American jobs. Again, economists, and I've heard this before from several people, they said around 4%, that's considered zero. That's as good as it gets. You're always going to have a certain amount of people unemployed. I disagree. If they're 4% unemployed, then say there's 4% unemployed. Then it says, however, the participation rate and the unemployment rate aren't the only factors used to form a picture of the job market. The unemployment the population ratio. Here's a new one for you guys, right? The employment population ratio measures the ratio of adults 16 years of age and older who are employed. The employment population ratio is less prone to vagaries caused by seasonal workers or by those who experience temporary unemployment due to illness, temporary layoffs, leaves of absence, or other factors. And of course, they don't explain it. So let me click on employment population ratio. and see what that is. Ah, here we go. Investopedia, February 15, 2022. The Investopedia team, including Eric Estevez, who says, what is the employment to population ratio? The employment to population ratio, also known as the employment population ratio, didn't I just say that? Oh, okay, they just take out the word too, is a macroeconomic statistic that measures the civilian labor force currently employed against the total working age population of a region. Okay, so it's often counting errors. Here we go. Uh, this sounds like a lot of gobbledygook. I don't think there's anything of a real benefit here. All right, so here's an example. If 50 million people are employed in an area with 75 million people of working age, the employment-to-population ratio is 66.7%. Calculation is as follows. Labor force employed divided by total population. Okay, great. I'm not sure what this is a measure of. All right, let's forget this one. Let me get to the good one. (laughs) Let me get to the controversial one. Well, according to the debt
5: Uh clock, the total unemployed is 5.6 million. actual unemployed is 10.5 million. But one hundred fifty nine point six million in workforce right now.
1: Okay, so so say that again. So the debt clock. Let me and which one do you think is participation rate? Which one do you think is unemployment rate?
5: Well, the, uh, the official unemployment uh, is the particip- participation. You got five point by five point seven million as unemployed officially. Then actually unemployed. That's probably just. I it mean, may be including people that's retired. It's ten point five. No, those
1: that, no, they're not counting well, the workers. No, remember the workforce? About hundred fifty
5: nine point six
1: million that's in the workforce. Well, I, mean, I got the deck clock here. I've got it in one of my many uh, things on my thing here. So I want to get the exact heading because I think there's something to this. That uh, there's there's more to it. So one of them is worker participation. And the other one is unemployment rate. Now, the unemployment rate, the one that they give, is the most optimistic one. It's, it's the, the, the easiest one. It's like people who have been actively looking for a job within the last month. That's what they're considering. That's the U3 rate. The U6 rate <clears throat> includes discouraged workers that gave up looking for a job that are unemployed. But They never talk about that one. So let me see if I can find my uh, – where's my debt clock? Well, Give me the exact heading. Tell me exactly what it says.
5: Actual unemployed, which is the total unemployed plus all marginally attached workers plus total employed part time for economic reasons, ten point 10. six million.
1: Okay, I've got a, I've got a debt clock here too. It's it says uh, national debt twenty six trillion. That's wrong. How old is this? This one must be really old. I should refresh it.
5: It's typing usdebtclock dot
1: uh, okay, let's get a new one up here.
5: Yeah. So it is U.S. Little...
1: Debt Clock. Keep it on my same panel so I can get a better one. Oh, this is the one I remember. So that's US the uh,
5: display that's uh, shown in one city in China that people gather around and cheer every time it goes over a certain number.
1: <laughs> so here we go. So I've got it here. So... Uh, it's got gross domestic. Oh, we should refer this more. Thirty one trillion five. On the right million, side, On the right side. Six hundred and fifty two million. <laughs> so the debt clock's over three yeah. Payroll tax, income tax, tariff. Look all these wonderful figures. I gotta use this more often. I gotta quote this. Tax revenue. So, so tax revenue is, is four point six trillion. Yet they're spending <laughs> you know, so much more than that.
5: Yeah, okay, the, the so table's over on the right side, just about the midway of the depends on where you got your cursor. Full
1: time workers. It's, it, it has okay. to good
5: information. The thing yeah. that gets me is the cost of house night isn't it?
1: So okay, so here we go. So the official workforce is hundred and fifty nine million is the workforce. Official unemployed is five million, actual unemployed is ten million. So 10 million would be the U6 rate. That's the that's the higher criteria. That's discouraged workers. That's people who've given up looking for work. The 5 million would be those who were surveyed and they do they do statistics on this who said that they are still looking for work. Full time workers 132 million. So this is the U.S. workforce is 159 million. Full time workers 132 million. Uh, Part time 26 million. Okay, so far so good. Not in the labor force now, 99 million. So 99 million people are students under 16, are retired, disabled, um, all those different categories. So, nine, so, so the workforce, basically, we have 100 million people who aren't working. We have 160 million people who are working. That's 260 million. And you've got another group that I'm not sure what you call them. <laughs> so that would be... Maybe those are the retired people. Point being, you've got two measures. So we've got two measures here. we got, we got... Uh, uh, 5 million unemployed and 10 million not working. So what does that tell you? It tells you the statistics are kind of crazy. Well, the huh? people
5: that's not working, it consists of a, you know, a little spectrum category. You know, like you say, students, people that's retired, and so on and so right. on.
1: Yeah, that would be the 100 million. Well, anyway, point being, it's just interesting that it says there's there's 10 million um, actual workers not working, and yet, unemployment only says it's five billion. So the actual unemployment rate is twice what it says. So when it says it's like 3.6, it's really you know 7.2. And that doesn't count the long you know other folks. Oh look,
5: uh, let me look up. Um, look at the cost. In... Look at the cost of a medium new home in 2000 was 162 thousand. Now it's about 495 thousand. Look, good gracious. Medium me income thirty five thousand today. Back in two thousand, it was thirty one thousand six hundred forty one. So how do a person on the medium income pay for a house that's four
1: hundred and
5: ninety
1: five thousand dollars? That's a good question. They don't. People aren't uh, aren't. Doing... Oh, here's another Investopedia. U three versus U six unemployment rate an overview. So U U3... three is the unemployment rate most commonly used uh, reported rate in the U.S., which is what I've said, representing a number of unemployed people actively seeking a job. The U6 rate includes discouraged, underemployed, and unemployed workers in the country. So the U6 rate would be the 10 million, and the U3 is the one people are reporting, the 5 million rate. So there's a difference right there. I'm going to post all these in our uh, our Action Radio Economics chart. Let me get the manufacturing jobs. Uh-huh.
5: Manufacturing jobs in 2000 was uh, $17.3 million. Now it's down to right at $13 million.
1: That's disgusting. That's really interesting. I have to go over there. That's a good, That's an interesting figure. Let me, let me um, finish this up here and we can play with numbers more. Um, I found a new website called the Blue State Conservative, which is interesting. So I guess these are Democrat conservatives. It says, and the headline this is by Helena. February 8th, 2022, so it's last year. But it applies the same today because it's right before the State of the Union lie. Um, Biden's administ- Biden administration jobs report altered, manipulated, and fake. So if they did it last year, you, you know they're doing it this year, too, so I believe this is applicable. She says the, number, the jobs number Biden is touting as showing how stupendous his economic policies have been. Oh, she says no, uh, as showing how stupendous his numbers have been, and then she says fake. A survey, an, al- an altered benchmark, a faulted defunct means of measuring employment and unemployment that requires continual modification each month as real numbers are released. So let's go. Let's see so so the, the numbers are fake. This is by Blue State Conservative. Okay, so this is like Democrat conservatives. This is interesting. So presented by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the numbers vary dramatically when compared to the actual payroll audit done monthly by ADP. ADP's audit of actual payroll takes a month to compile before it is released, which makes more sense. We should actually be reporting the ADP rate, right? As, I, as, uh, as a test, I looked up what ADP reported for December compared to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. ADP reports a job loss. This is last year, February, right? A job loss of 301,000 jobs. BLS the, the or just the BS Bureau of Labor you know reported a gain of 510,000 jobs that's a discrepancy of 811,000 jobs or damn near a million therefore the 467,000 being surmised by BLS for January is significantly suspicious and could be completely wiped, wiped to another revision of 3 of -350,000 when ADP releases the report in March interesting The lie accomplished two things. One, it purportedly purportedly made Biden look good, which, of course, is everything that goes on in the administration of, of fraud. And two, gave the bludgeoned tech stock market a lift. So those are the same problems now. Big tech has problems in their market. But obviously, this is done to make Brandon look good. That's what every administration does. They want to massage the numbers. It's just that Clinton started this. He's the one that changed how they measured unemployment and change how they measured inflation, change how they measured everything to make him look good. He didn't care about lying. His whole administration was a lie. Then it says, according to ADP's report for December, released February 3rd, the biggest losses were among small businesses. Even Christmas couldn't hold them together. Same thing happened this year. The other discrepancy is bankruptcies. In 2020, President Trump introduced the Bankruptcy Protection Act for any business owing less than $2.7 million. Biden increased that limit 280% to 7.5 million, thereby reducing the number of bankruptcies and employment losses. A numbers game, and this is making statistical comparisons worthless. Bureau of Labor and Statistics claims Biden added 6.4 million jobs in 2021, empowering workers to secure higher wages. The BLS closes their report with the demand that all workers get vaccinated while promoting frequent testing, masks, etc. Remember that from last year. Then it says, of course, the misnomer Wait. is. Go ahead.
5: Well, these people – it is. You know one thing about this clock; it's got a time machine at the top where you can go in back and also forward. But look at the very last row to the right.
1: I, I want to. I'm and look at you. And I'll, back to unfunded yeah. liabilities. Are okay. You? No, I, I, I'm going to definitely do that. Unfunded
5: gonna... liabilities. Uh
1: huh. What are you reading? Uh, nothing because I don't have it up. I got the article up. Let me hold off on that for a second. Let me make sure I get through this here all here so we have a little continuity. But this is because okay. I find this fascinating the way it's. No, it's okay. It's a good. It's a good. Unfun, that's a huge topic, but it's a different topic. So I want to get to that in a minute. So we've got here making statistical comparisons worthless. So it says the Bureau of Labor Statistics claims Biden added six point four million jobs in twenty twenty one. Okay, we've been over that. Of course, the misnomer is in the terminology wordplay added. When they say that they added 6.4 million jobs is strikingly false. Jobs aren't added when people go back to This is what we talked about just a few minutes ago. Jobs aren't added when people go back to work. In addition, employers have, shovel, have shuttered for lack of workers. It says it is similar to the means used to redact and add voters on the machines used in the 2020 election. The numbers are worthless. This is apparently there is nothing sacred to the, from their lies and propaganda. And this is what I want to get to for people listening to the State of the Union tonight as to how bad this really is. None of these numbers are going to be true. Right? This is we're truly living in communist China while our government is living in Sweden where there, are, where there was no lockdown. The Bureau of Labor Statistics measures payroll by conducting a household survey. Anything below $150,000 is cause for concern. 150,000, excuse me, is cause for concern. Negative numbers send alarms, according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. The Census Bureau provides the names of households to survey. Well, isn't that interesting? Numbering 60,000 with the intent that they are a composite demographic of the entire population, and I'll bet you that's skewed too. Of the households, 75% of the sample remains the same from month to month, and 50% remains the same year to year. Computerized surveys then weighted. Okay, I'm going to do all. I don't care about all that. The numbers determine employment, employed versus unemployed, so as to define new uh, jobs. The U.S. labor force, roughly 170 million, the survey would represent 0.0058 percent of the actual labor market. Okay, this is all right. So then we get to the good stuff. To add to the fallacy, here we go. Bureau of I just found this right before the show. Bureau of Labor Statistics has announced they changed the benchmark for how they measure the job market and have begun to modify the entire. 2021 year to accommodate that manipulation alteration, increasing November by about 400,000 workers, which is a 200% increase. This is the lie you're going to hear tonight again. This says when asked about the altered benchmark, the labor secretary deflected by hailing the BLS, that's the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, as the gold standard of blah, 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 blah. But economists have stated that this manipulation will give the Federal Reserve the impetus to double the first rate hike from 25 basis points to 50. In other words, you know, 25% or whatever it is, you know, 0.25 to 0.5, which will bring equity shares crashing to a halt. It would appear that the benchmark was recalculated based on changing the total labor force from 170 million to 146 million based on deaths. Oh, that's interesting. So they sort of extrapolated from COVID. Then it says that would equate to 24 million people in the labor force who died or were permanently disabled. In addition, they revised the. my 10-second warning. We'll go for a bit beyond. This is in addition they revised the algorithm to include an estimate of those employees exempt from unemployment insurance, claiming this data lagged for two years. So they're fudging literally everything about the the unemployment measure. So as a result of this altered benchmark, the largest revision. Uh, negative 489,000 affects the Trump year 2019, which is likely going to be used as a setup for data arguments in the 2024 election. Our politicized government is truly a theater where everyone pretends to be someone else. Everything is, is something else and the props continually collapse. So now let me pull, get rid of this and let's go to our our, our, uh, our, our numbers that uh, Pianchi was talking about. But Pianchi, what do you think of that? Little, they've changed the marks on everything. There's no standard. You cannot judge any of the numbers we're going to hear tonight based on um on what they're giving us.
5: Oh, lie like Santos. But look at that last row.
1: Like I've gone. I've gone to my old one. I got to get to back usdebtclock.org.
5: Us debt. And look at the. Second one from
1: the right. Okay. Those two. Right? Yes. Now, so debt clock. I should bookmark this. Why? Well, it's, it's easy to find. I can pull it up anytime. So we have the U.S. This is for anybody that wants to, to check out what we're talking about. U.S. Clock. Dot or Dot Org. We're looking at. Where are you looking now? Liability okay, unfunded liabilities. So, how much are you reading? Is that 181 trillion? And how many billions for a citizen? $542,000. Basically $1, half a million dollars. But see, that's not true. It's not per citizen because we didn't incur this debt. This is a government debt. Now, they may want to allocate it per citizen. <laughs> but, but, but the yeah, truth but we're is... citizens
5: of the country.
1: Oh, I know. I understand that.
5: we are responsible. But, it's just like it is with the police, like your police department. The, the cities are, people in the city are responsible. You know? If they uh-huh. go out and beat the hell out of somebody and they file food, the citizens are going to be responsible for the liability. That's what people don't understand. Look at Social Security, twenty-two trillion. How in the hell did get up that high? Medicare liability, thirty-five trillion. They,
1: they took the Social Security money. You know, the money that came in, ever since Johnson, they 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 took it and they gave it an IOU. So we're just going to borrow this, but they never repaid it back.
5: I remember. So uh huh. I remember when unfunded liability was about one hundred and twenty, and now it's one hundred. We can't. This nation can't pay that. This is what. People have been promised, like the ones on either side, on the the left side, that they would expect to receive it sometime in the future. They don't Mm -hmm. have that type of money. Pretty soon, everybody is going to have to have a pillow in their chair. We all being screwed.
1: Well, I know that. Why do you think I have a constitutional amendment to stop the borrowing? If we stop the borrowing now, we can pay this off. We can get rid of all this stuff. We can take care of it all. But they have to stop borrowing. That is the single most important thing economically that we can do for our country is stop the borrowing. We have to you – know, we just have to impose that on them. Otherwise, we're screwed. Jefferson didn't want it. $181.4 Yep. Well, agreed. Good I see that. hmm No, yeah, you're right. Everybody look should go the, to usdeadclock.org. Look,
5: look at the trade deficits, 1200000000000 Mm-hmm. Your U.S. trade deficit with China, 403000000000 Mm-hmm. US imported all Donald Trump had that down to
1: like we weren't we were oil exporting enough. oil. We were exporting oil. Yeah, look at that. was at a negative up. number. Yeah. Two hundred
5: and ninety five two hundred and Then look how much debt is held by foreign nations. Seven point trillions. Mm-hmm. I'm going outside. That's actually 40. lower
1: than I thought it was gonna be. I I'm actually encouraged by that. I thought it was gonna be a lot higher. Yeah.
5: But anyway, Greg, I guess I'll have to see you tomorrow.
1: Oh, yeah, sounds good. Well, listen, we had a great day today. Did you get a chance to listen to – It should uh, be more conversation
5: uh, based on this information right here. That should be a whole show. Oh,
1: I, listen, I don't mind – exactly. I don't mind doing a whole – you know, it's, let me take a look at those numbers Let's uh, see what I have for tomorrow. Tomorrow we've got uh, – Diane's coming back, Diane Warner, our election integrity. Uh, we've got Chris Kerb, who's one of our local flood experts, talking about how all the housing developments mm-hmm. are screwing over the land uh we got to the middle hour maybe i can do that well i want we can talk about this in terms of the aftermath of uh, what happens on uh, tonight with the 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 lies of the state of the union especially when they talk about you know the the nation of vietnam ukraine which is what i'm now calling it um so there's a lot of things okay. a lot of things to talk about well hey, get
5: the you time too. machine up at the top right corner
1: on, You can machine? go back
5: in time and go up time
1: really how far can i go back yeah, you Ooh. got the red right
5: one on the left.
1: Let's go back to 1980. U.S. national debt. That's when uh, here. Eight hundred billion. That's when America was kind of great, right? 1980. I'll see you tomorrow, man. Okay, take care, Bianchi. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just going to now that I'm here. <laughs> you know, I got a couple minutes. I might go over this here. De- All right, so here's where here's where we were. U.S. national debt in 1980. Okay, started Ronald Reagan's uh, term. Eight hundred and sixty two billion dollars. Or was it trillion? Let me see. Uh, hundred thousand, that'd be million. Yeah, eight hundred and sixty two billion. I didn't even reach a trillion yet, right? That's nothing. US federal tax revenue four hundred um was it billion? Yeah, four hundred four billion dollars was the revenue. Now it's like four point five trillion. Of course, I don't know if I guess this accounts for inflation, I'm not really sure. Oh, huh. That's interesting. Let's go back. Let's go back to where where we are now. Oh, well, then they've got uh, on this day in 2027. <laughs> they actually go ahead. The the, the 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 national debt is 36 trillion. <laughs> that's only uh, what? This is 2023. That's four years from now. 36 trillion. I bet you it's gonna be higher than that if we, unless we stop this. We have to stop this. Anyway, I've had enough fun. Been, it's been crazy. All right, come play a couple more things for you. Uh, again, our website's writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. That's where you find us for our legislative stuff. Our, our show site, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Uh, my sub stack is gregpenglis.substack.com. That's where I write articles explaining all the stuff we do here. And then our Give Send Go account, givesendgo.com slash action radio. You want to help us out? All that information is on your broadcast page, as well as our discount code, W-Y-L. Stands for Write Your Laws for all of our discount categories. My Pillow, Care, all those Force Energy Drinks, all those things. That's on our broadcast page. Also, in fact, pretty much everything's on our broadcast page. I'll see you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Bill Fecky's still off, so we'll have Wendy at 7:30. I'll figure out what to do. The first half hour, uh, probably talking about the, uh, the the lying state of the union, and we'll see uh, we'll see what happens. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive, is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio, using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system.